about this one this this actually came out of a podcast that we did here at tsp a long time ago solo mode where we talked about things schools don't teach our kids that they should and things that we should be teaching them and my guests today uh brian perry and luke Grimm, have created something called these 16 things which kind of took that idea expanded on it and took it in their own unique direction and with that i want to say hey guys welcome to the survival podcast thank you thanks for having us yeah, I appreciate it, brother. You inspired us. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I will, uh, real quick, just for uh, public service announcement, you'll see right down there for the audience, it says, I'll never contact you for personal information or anything like that in the comments. I think that speaks for itself. There's been a lot less of it lately, but I want to point it out because people have been deceived by that. Okay, guys, let's start off with, well, first of all, I don't do a lot of two-person interviews, like three, three-way go. Uh, so you guys have to decide who starts on any given question. I'll, I'll leave that up to you guys. Um, but can we start off with this before we dig into these 16 things? Kind of what is y'all's background and how did you guys like find each other as partners in this initiative? Sure. So I'll start with that. Uh, background is I am a I have my own business, painting, pressure washing, things like that. And, uh, just running my business, uh, have seven kids now oh, wow. and, uh, had less when I met Luke originally, but now up to seven kids. And I mean, that's kind of, that's me in a nutshell. How we met was we go to the same church and right. I was invited to join his, uh, men's group at church where he teaches jujitsu actually. Okay. And so I showed up to jujitsu he started talking to the group about right at that time, they were talking about doing a Spartan race as the men's group at church. So we all joined. Uh, most of us joined a Spartan race, drove over to Ohio. We're from Indiana, uh, Indianapolis area and drove over to Ohio, did a Spartan race weekend. And, and really, before we even did that weekend, uh, he talked me into doing more Spartan races uh, before we did the first one. So we kind of had jumped into those and did a few last year and did several more this past year. And from there, our friendship kind of developed and that's how we became friends, just church, uh, men's group, small group and, and hanging out doing some tough stuff. So Luke, man, Brian, listen to you. It makes me want to be a better man. I'll tell you what, <laughs> one of the best things that ever happened to Brian was meeting, meeting his wife, not meeting me. So, <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, so he kind of told you how we met, but a little bit about myself. Uh, I, I'm a military brat. My dad was in the Coast Guard. So I was born in Long Beach, California, and all 18 years growing up, living under that. Uh, at one point, became living under a single dad. My, my, my mom took off. And so when I finished high school, went over to Oakland, California, raised my right hand, and just like you, joined the United States Army. Hmm. Um I don't know if you did it right out of high school. Though. I, I don't know your whole story. I, I, really I actually was 17 when I enlisted. I was still in school. I had to get my dad who had to track down to sign for me so I could do it. Yeah, it's my, my dad had to sign as well. Um, yeah, so I joined, uh, and then 20 years later, so I served 20 years in the active Army. So oh, yesterday, wow. yesterday, Mondays, I'd have to check. Monday's podcast when you're talking about the, the survey 
about joining, man. That's a fascinating topic to me. So yeah, I spent 20 years, did some, did some army stuff, just like you. Uh, and once I retired, uh, moved to Indianapolis, uh, to us, it's just a regular PCS, just like a regular move. You don't know anybody. Yeah. Uh, so now I'm a high school teacher. I teach 11th and 12th grade and I run the alt ed program for our school. So Very juniors cool. and seniors that are about to not make it and be high school dropouts. We try to help, help them recover. So, and I should, I should let you know, Brian said he had seven kids and that sounds like a lot. <laughs> Brian, we have eight. So that's a little bit more than seven. Public school math, eight is more than seven. I've learned that eight much. Eight is more than seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, buddy. So before we dig into your particular operation, I have noticed this concept spreading, and I'm very, I'm very uh, happy to see that it is men doing it. Uh, and I, I just saw, I don't remember the name of the organization, another organization doing something similar this morning that was on the news. Uh, bringing in, you know, people that are business leaders and stuff like that, basically teaching young men to become men and also kind of hitting on the father side because a lot of our young people uh, are growing up in the absence of male leadership. You know, we have made, and I'm not putting anybody down when I say this, but we have made single mom into like a synonym for hero, right? Instead of that's, that's, it's, it's great that she's doing the best she can, but it's an unfortunate circumstance, which is what it used to be. And I mean, I know you guys are involved with your own thing, but have you started to notice that more and more men out there that did grow up either with strong male role models or they found it for themselves somehow and then they realized it was missing and they're taking this active role through various organizations and movements? I think so. Uh, I haven't seen a big change in it. Uh, I'll be honest. I think the group that we – run around with the group that we roll with has been mostly in that anyway, uh, mostly okay. doing it, doing a lot of that anyway. But yeah, if, to an extent, uh, we do see a, a, a bigger change and, and more men taking that. And, and even if the, the men, I mean, I guess we know a lot of men that have, they're still married, have their kids, but m- maybe more so trying to take that role of, Hey, I can teach the kids a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just have to be the wife's role to to teach the kids uh, everything they know. So I do see, a, in, in that way, I do see a little more men, a few more men stepping up and, and teaching their kids uh, some things. Jack, I'm concerned, man. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm really concerned. I, uh, when I jump on YouTube, my wife hates it. I start to watch the uh, the, the culture stuff about movies and TVs and, and as a government teacher, I, I love watching Congress doing their stuff. Man, I'm concerned. So we got this whole slew of kids. Again, I teach 11, 12th graders. I'm really yeah. concerned. So these kids, the last couple of years, have hid behind masks, and they're hopped up on uh, depression meds, mm-hmm. hopped up on anxiety meds. So we only let, it's down to like 21% of people are even eligible to join the military. I joined 97. Mm-hmm. It was 30%. It's down to 21% because of all this medical issue and all that stuff. But okay, so these are these are young boys want to be men. But where did they get their lessons from? Who's teaching them? Who's teaching them what it means to be a man or true man? Well, that's what I'm saying. I think that that's a big part of the problem that young men grow up absent that role model. There's so right. many single single you know single parent households. Then you have the absent but married father who's married but you know mm-hmm. works 80 hours a week and is never home. And if you don't have extended family and male role models and uncles and grandparents, then that's, it's almost as bad for the child following the pattern growing up. 
Uh, and then if you look at schools, you teach, but the majority of school teachers are either female or woke guys, right? And that just sure. is the case. If you, you, can, you can just look at history and see that that's been the case and more of the case going forward. So a lot of these young men, I don't know how they expect to actually or how we should expect that they would behave like men when they're adults because they've never had any real behavior to model. I kind of want to go into my first question for you, which is the importance of teaching kids the truth, because what ends up happening is that a young, and I know this affects all children, but especially to me right now, young men more than even young women in that if you want somebody to have stress and anxiousness and be unable to function well in society, convince them that the lie is a truth and then they cannot have stability in their life. So I, I would like to kind of expand on the concept of why it's important to teach kids actual truth, because there are things that are subject to opinion and there are things that are not subject to opinion. And you guys know what I mean. There is a delineation point and there might be some gray area, but there's stuff that's just way over here in the factual realm. And when we're completely devoid of that, I, I, I can't see how we would expect anything other than the things that are concerning to you. We uh, we just finished doing a, a – we do Bible study at the house, but instead of a Bible study, we did a book study, a gentleman named Frank Turek, and the book was called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And he walks through like 16 chapters, but the first two are talking about truth. Okay. And you, you can't get – we're not here to talk about all that stuff, but yeah. man, we, we are absolutely lost if we can't identify what is true or not. Um, just this morning, I definitely want to talk about this manhood thing. Just this morning, my wife and I read the news about how many state bills are going around about uh, puberty blockers, yeah. uh, hormone blockers, about all the stuff in Indiana is going through. And the other side is showing up at these hearings, boys dressed up as girls. Okay, so no matter where we stand on that, what is true about that? If we can't even get that as true or not true, now we, we're lost. So um, – and also, what's true for us here is true for people in India. It's true five years ago. It's true 25. In other words, things are just simply true. Now, cultures change. People's opinions on the truth changes. Mm -hmm. You don't have to like that 2 plus 2 is 4, but 2 plus 2 is 4. You don't like it. That's your opinion. I got that. But, um, yeah, so a lot of, a lot of these, uh, these kids in school um, and, and the boys in general um, don't know how to respond in a lot of these tough conversations, so they – they asked to sit out in these tough conversations. Mr. Grimm, I'm triggered. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I could save those screenshots. I'm triggered. The next time we talk about this thing, can I sit out? No, dude. Engage. Get in the conversation. Yeah. Um, but but they, they've been taught that it's okay not to engage, and they almost feel like they're bullied. Like well, I they am, are, I think. I don't yeah, think I'm, they're afraid to tell you what they think. I think yeah. they're afraid to have their peers hear what they think. Yeah, and so that's where the phrase the silent majority comes from. We stay quiet, and then it confuses them more because nobody is being vocal except for the one side. And it gives a perspective that they're right and they're not. Just because they're loud doesn't mean they're right. I could yell at you 2 plus 2 is 6. It doesn't mean it's right. I was just loud with it. So, man, if we can't identify truth, Jack, I, I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know. You got anything hmm. to add? No, I mean, I think Luke summed that up okay. pretty well. Yeah, and, and I, I think that we're – like you hit on it right there at the end. Like one of the things I think about that is we're reaching a point where we have convinced ourselves, like through this mass psychosis of society, the loudest voice 
is the true voice. So the person that can scream the most, get the most views on TikTok, have mm -hmm. a meltdown the right way, they're clearly right because they had the most attention drawn to them. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the phrase that uh, a lie is loud and the truth is quiet. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that's very much like there's never been a time in history where I felt that is a more poignant quote to describe what we're looking at when we look around us today. You know, I was talking to somebody um, a couple of days ago about military. And so I retired in 2017 and she'd asked me, do you think you could still be in the military with how it is today? Yeah. And I was thinking about your podcast a few days back and thinking about this topic. And I said, I don't know, because it was like this. In 2015, I was a first sergeant. I was out in Hawaii. And uh, I think it was 2015, might have been 14. And Barack Obama had declared that June was um, LGBTQ Awareness Month, not Pride Month, not Celebration Month, just Awareness Month. Okay, we know what it is today. Yeah. And and I had to go put these flowers flyers up in our company headquarters. Every first sergeant in the army had to do the same thing. And irrespective of my opinion, I'm putting these flyers up. Now, this uh, this specialist, uh, specialist Allison, she comes up and she she had a tear. She's on my office. I'm so glad I can finally – okay, you can see where it's going. She, she's yeah. And I get that. Yeah. I got that. However, here's what it is now. What it is now is soldiers must sit 50, 100, 200, 250, who knows, in some equal opportunity class where they're told that they must not just accept but now participate in these events. And soldiers are thinking none of this is true though. Yeah. But they yeah. have to stay silent. Yeah. They're forced because if they speak up – then they're chastised or disciplined. And it's interesting, the last army value, L-D-R-S-H-I-P, the P stands for personal courage. So we're asking soldiers to show personal courage, but forcing them to sit down and not speak up for what they believe is right. It is an amazing thing. Yeah, and a big part of why I couldn't recommend it today, and it, it, I said, and I, I sincerely meant it, breaks my heart to say that, Yeah. Um, is if I end up in a woke corporation – with a woke boss pushing that shit on me, and I get to the point where I'm like, you know what, I'm done. Then I walk away with a red letter of resignation. Right. You you know full well the military does not operate that way, right? Mm -hmm. So you're now six years, four years, whatever it is in your enlistment term, you've now signed away your autonomy for that period of time, and it's a respectable and noble thing to do if the goal is noble, but – what you just said is one of 10 reasons that I would say no right now. And Dude, there's I, a, I really, I don't want to turn this to beat the military day up, but no, no, it's tough though. There's a military recruiting station close to us. I'm on really good terms. I had to find somebody I can trust with my high school seniors. Right. And, uh, start first class. I won't say his last name. He was a tanker. I first met him in ASVAB. I'm like, dude, I, I've never met you. Oh yeah. They pulled me out of the recruiting station at the company headquarters. Well, why? Cause I didn't get the vaccination and he's a start first class E7. I said, well, how long you been in? I said eight years. Yeah. That's what are they going to do? They're kicking me out. I said, hold on. The Army saw the potential in you and everything you've done well with your three yeah. deployments as a tanker. They're going to kick you out because you don't want the vaccination. And it's tough for me to defend that when the, when a kid at the same ASVAB said, hey, Mr. Grimm, do you think I should join? Yeah. Ah, no, and a dude, that makes, a dude that makes E7 in that period of time is among the best that you yeah. have. That's right. right. So you're in a, a recruiting drought – of your own making. And then on top of the drought, your eligibility pool is shit because you've destroyed the country yeah. and the diet and the, the, the health practices of the country. And you're making recruiting videos of a lesbian couple 
and the girl that graduates college becomes a specialist instead of an officer. So I don't even know who did that. And now you're throwing out a dude that makes E7 in eight years. Not only a dude that makes E7 in eight years, but his job is recruiting. His job is to go find people to join and help them join. Oh, that's, who you're gonna, that's who you're kicking out. You can't make this stuff up. It's like a script for a bad sitcom. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's awful. Yeah, but, I mean, clearly there are values of people joining. It's just the balance is shifting, man. It's tough for me to give all the benefits without listing all these things, too. Yeah. What, what do you guys think about how just culture in general, leaving the military thing so we don't just spend an hour kicking that? Oh, but we could. <laughs> yeah, but we could, but let's not. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's talk about what y'all are doing, right? Like, let's talk about the solution side. But we got to hit the problem a bit more. Like, to me, culture itself is di- – like I listen to some of these things and I know they're hit pieces, but they ask these, these young, I call them kids, but they're like young adults, college kids, like basic questions. And the questions they give answers to, it, it sounds like you're talking to a simpleton with an IQ of 45, but you know, this person's not stupid. They're behaving and speaking stupidly because they've been educated in the stupid. Like, and I think this is incredibly damaging. What, what do you guys say? I think they're, I actually saw one of the comments there, somebody saying about indoctrinating in school. And I think that's the issue from the time these kids are in preschool or kindergarten. They are told that they have to believe a certain way. They have to think that this is truth, like we were talking about earlier. And when I say this, I mean, whatever they're talking about, Uh, that can be 20 different topics, but have to believe this is the truth. This is what you believe. Uh, This is what you're going to believe. And that's the issue. So when they get into the high school or even college, they it's been almost beaten into them that they are going to believe a certain way. And if they're if they don't believe that way, it is, you know, they're silenced even in school. And we saw that with covid, you know, a doctor comes out and says, no, maybe you shouldn't take the covid shot. Or how about let's try some vitamin D and exercise. And they're silenced. And I think it's the same way in school. I know people who've had their kids in school and uh, they started to speak out about uh, just the whole uh, you know, gay and lesbian transgender thing. And all they were not saying, hey, let's be mean to these people. Let's do something to them. No, they were saying in my religion, I don't think that it's right. And I don't think it should be pushed on kids as much as it is. Mm-hmm. And immediately, even in their high school class, they are silenced. It said you cannot speak for the rest of this uh, debate and they only let the kids talk that, that go along with the crowd. So almost like uh, the word debate has no meaning, right? Uh, yeah. It's, it's tough to have a debate when one side is silenced. And I've seen so, it like the, the LGBTQ plus blah, 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 blah. However many letters they have now um, seems to be the worst, but I've seen it in many things. Like I just watched the thing, this young girl, probably just shy of junior high age, the project was they were supposed to write a paper on why it was good to eat bugs. Yes. And she's like, I want to write my paper on why it's not good to eat bugs. And the teacher, like, we have no facts to support that. Maybe the kid would find some if you'd let her, you know, and the rest of the world, except the United States eats bugs. And I'm like, well, let's see. I've been to Germany, been to Panama, been to Mexico, Mexico. They did eat some grasshoppers. You know, I've been to all these countries all over the world, and I actually never found it that common to eat bugs. I'm sure there's places where it is, but it's not the rest of the world. 
no. eating bugs. Okay. You, I'm sure you served in that long period of time. Sometime you served in the European theater. You go to a grocery store in Europe. It's a totally different experience. The meat counter is amazing, right? Like, where does this BS come from? But it was worse to me that she was being shut down. She like, was. She, she was shut down hard. She, uh, The teacher in that article, I remember this. She wanted them to come from the mindset of stop eating cows are bad. Cows yeah. are bad. Cows are bad. That's right. That was the premise. And she actually presented, what if I write this? Well, there, there, in her response to the kid, there is no credible evidence. Yeah. What teacher on this planet has done all the research on any singular topic that could no. ever say that? A PhD teaching master's degree. It, it's so it's so ridiculous. Um, so it, I've told my kids um, – Whatever they want to do when they get out of, out of the house, my oldest is 13. I said, look, if you ever want to be a teacher, don't do it until you're at least 30. Get out of high school. Get some life experiences. Bring something to the table because right now it's not a revolving door, but I think it's a really bad cycle that someone goes through high school, which is dominated by one political side. Yeah, and that's, what, that's what they get, right? Then they go to college, and now that your parents don't matter to this – Oh, the gloves are off with these professors. Yeah. It doesn't matter with the parents. It goes bad, 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 bad. And then that kid, 22, comes out of a liberal arts college to get that degree. Now they go right into teaching. And it's a vicious, vicious cycle. And you mentioned I, I think that it's not a revolving door. It absolutely is. Yeah, I, think, okay. I think it's worse than a revolving door because at least on the revolving door, you exit for at least a little while. Yeah. There's no exit. It is, it is a complete circular path that never actually has an outside. And I think this is a big problem with a lot of our teachers at every level. They've never had a job in the real world because school's not the real world. When parents uh, push back on homeschooling with me and say, well, they got to learn about the real world. I'm like, well, they'll never learn about the real world in government school. Nothing about government school is the real world. There's no place where if, if you and I work together, right, and I walked by you every day and thumped you in the ear that we would go to our boss and he would say, now the two of you shake hands and get along. Like that, that's, and that's a minor thing, right? But that's not the real world. You don't get to conduct yourself this way in the real world. Uh, I'm always right. All 30 of you are always wrong. Not the real world. Like nothing about this is real. You know, there was a Brian's point. I saw a comment earlier about being taught what to think. Um, a couple of years back, I was helping out a, a, an art teacher. Uh, with kids that were failing, she had an extra credit assignment. So okay, so I'm on a, I'm on a video camera here, and I got the kid and the parent, and we go into that class, and I click on the assignment. And what they had to do, they went to a website with a bunch of posters, like art posters, and they had to write about them. The poster categories were Black Lives Matter, climate, gun control, LGBTQ. Those were the four categories that they were forced to choose from, and the parent gasped, and I and I. I said, ma'am, I, I am I am so sorry. In a 30-minute period, I went through two, not three, two of them. I eventually, when I'm done, I confront that teacher. I, I could go find the go find the screenshot of it, which I won't clearly, yeah. but I said, Hey, Mrs. So-and-so, I just want you to know that is not by or on bites. That is completely sent. If you sent people to gun rights and military and red, white, and blue and all these things, you would be furious. And she sent me a novel. Blah, blah, blah. We haven't spoken in two years because she just doesn't want to. And yeah. and what does a parent in that situation do? Nothing. You either do the extra credit because the kids doing that need it. You either do it and pass or you stand your ground and you fail. That's the choice. Mm. 
those are, those are bad choices for parents. Um, Brian and I, we, our families, we homeschool for a reason. His seven kids are homeschooled. My eight, you couldn't pay me $10,000 per kid per year to put them in. And I am a public school teacher. Count mm. me out. Yeah. And the argument that a lot of people use against homeschooling, if they, for the ones that see the benefit of homeschooling, but just can't figure out how to do it. And they say, well, you know, we, we both work, both parents work and we don't have the income to stay home. I'll tell you, you know, when, when we first started, I did not own my own business. I worked for my dad and I did not make a lot of money. Uh, I was probably making 45,000 a year when we started and we made the decision to say, we are going to go with less so our kids can be homeschooled. We will deal with less. We will grow that garden. That's when we had our biggest gardens and trying to raise the most uh, animals and, and grow the most food in those years because we had to. But we made that decision to, you know, we're going to homeschool so we don't have to send the kids to school and we'll just deal with less. We had a 900 square foot house, uh, old beat up cars, and the the money just basically had to you know pay the bills. It's a little different now that I own the business and, and things are going a little better, but uh it just comes down to that decision of are you going to do it or not and stop making excuses. You can make excuses for everything that you do or don't do. It's just what do you want the most? I think I you that. clear the hurdle that you try to jump, right? So people yeah. go into homeschooling and say, well, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But once they do, they figure out how. Right. And, and I've, I've likened it to some of the crap that's going on, guys. Like if that's if that building was on fire – you know, and it was literally on fire and a cop told you, you can't go in there and get your kid. You would throw a wet blanket over you, punch the cop in the mouth, run in the building and get your mm-hmm. kid out. Yeah. And you need to start looking at what they're doing to our children as it, in some ways it's worse because in that instance, the kid's either going to make it or not. But in, in, in the instance of what's being done to our kids, you're talking about somebody walking through their entire life or maybe at least until their, their middle age before they clear this garbage and it is garbage that has been shoved into them. And I think this is the real danger. I'm interested in, in, in how you guys think about this. The the kid who resists in his mind, but not with his mouth or his heart, the go along, get along kid, will in time begin to believe even that which they know to be false. Because what we speak and what we think becomes what we believe. You can take that to the next level. That kid establishes a culture of being a coward just all of us whoever's listening picture this for for a moment yeah you believe one thing i mean you are passionate so this is the hill i'm going to die on i believe this to my core yeah five people come and challenge you and you're quiet you are scared to speak up and you do that again and again and again and again and again you've established a pattern of being a coward and i'm not here to dog on the kid because we're talking about kids really i'm not we as the adults we put them in this situation, we did it very intentionally. We put them there. And there are some good comments in the chat about um, we were broke and we did it. And Brian was talking about money. That One of the top things we hear is, well, you know, my wife and I, neither one of us could give up our job to do it. And I put a pause right there to your burning bridge scenario, burning house. Yeah. What are you willing to do to make your kids life successful what are you willing to do to care for their heart and their soul how far are you willing to go and and if your income is worth more than your kid it's an emotional argument i got nothing for you i, I can't help yeah. you 
but mm-hmm. not not in my house. Uh, money is not worth more than the heart and souls of my kids. Nope. For those on the audio only, I have a picture up right now, a pretty famous meme picture of like this giant crowd mm. all staring at one man, and the one man staring back at them and says, yes, you are all wrong. Uh, in a large way, that's what I'm hoping I'm raising in my grandchildren right now, that courage to say that you are wrong um, when I believe that you're wrong. And that doesn't mean I'm afraid to have my ignorance cleared if I'm the one cleared if I'm the one that's wrong, but we need to have a discussion about facts Right. Especially objective, verifiable facts like this is a man and this is a woman. Right. If we can't do that, then we can't have debate and we can't have discussion because now we're in the realm of fantasy. It's like if we want to argue about who was the strongest transformer because we're having fun and we're discussing make believe land, it's fine. But if we think it's real, then we have a problem. You know what I mean? Uh, you're familiar with Richard Dawkins, a pretty well-known atheist out there. Yeah, yeah. There was an article yesterday. He is officially out there. Like he's like, no, he was talking to Pierce Morgan out there in the UK. Yeah. And he's like, no, it's male and female. This whole conversation where it's more than that, it's just pretend there's no science to back it up. And th- their real debate is forcing people to believe, forcing people to think things. Um, Brian was talking about, um, some LGBT stuff. So hockey. NHL, you've followed a, a couple of people now. A, two, a, a goalie recently for Dallas said, I will not take the ice in a, in a pride jersey. I won't do it. I'll do why, it. Why should he have to publish a statement saying why he would not? Why don't the other 15 or however many people publish yeah. a statement on why they will? Why they will. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, because most of them don't want to do it either, but they're like, dude, shut up. Look at our money. I mean, that's that's really what's going on mostly with these people. Like I've said that the solution to this girl's sports crap is simple. Every female in women's sports, the minute they put a male on the court, on the track, whatever with you, turn around and walk away. Vermont, the Vermont high school that did that in the yeah. basketball. Yeah. Uh, so the they- saying no. Right. I'm saying the individual athletes. OK. Oh. On your market said bye. Right. Like just yeah. if they because then. You'll take. So why are these men doing this? Because they're mediocre men at the sport, which makes them exceptional women at the sport, fake women, and they can win. Winning against nobody has no value. So it's the problem is a lot of these young women that are in these sports, especially the ones that are not the top level competitors. They're just kind of there. They think this is okay. Because let's be honest, it doesn't really affect them. If you're finishing in the bottom 25, 30, 40 percent in your collegiate sport, it doesn't really matter that some dude just beat the top performing girl in your head because you're going along to get along. The ones that end up having their freaking dream destroyed by a man competing in female sports, they care. But if we could get enough of them to care to just the school can say whatever it wants. We live in a society where I can't say you must go play basketball. I don't have that authority. We don't have slavery in this country, thank God. Right. I think all this still goes back to the indoctrinating kids to, you know, go along to get along. And even in those sports, uh, you know, taking the, the women where they're having the men compete and nobody wants to stand up and be that person that, that sticks their head up above the crowd and says no. But they were in school. Uh, again, they were taught that their entire lives to, and, and not saying it's just that one topic, 
they were taught this on several different topics that nobody nobody wants to stand up and and you know take a stand for what they believe in. So, and that's why I think uh, it, I'm not going to say every single person that's homeschooled does this, but I think the percentage is higher. I think you know, we, Luke and I at least try to teach our kids, and, and let's be honest, our wives do the majority of the homeschooling with our kids, but uh, you know, we yeah. try to teach the kids to stand up for what you believe in. And if somebody's doing something that's wrong, either, uh, whether, however it works out, either just walk away and don't be involved or stand up and say something and say that is wrong. And we're not the teacher saying, uh, you know, telling the kids that they can't do that like they would in school or not telling the kids that they have to do this paper on one of these four or five topics that are all extreme liberal leaning. So, you know, Jack, a good example of standing up for what you believe. Anyone that's listening to this as three men on video or on audio based on however you see it, that are willing to stand up and now have targets on their back from an entire half of the country. Sure. All three, all three of us acknowledge mm -hmm. it. We do. Now, the question for all of us is, are we willing to accept the target? Now, we may all have different rule books that we come from. Uh, I know that Brian and I, we're going to go religious, give us about 10 seconds on this. I happen to believe that Jesus is the number one example I can go to of calling right, right, and wrong, wrong. And he didn't go looking for it. He didn't go looking to judge, hey, you come here, you suck. No. People came up to him and were combative with him and said, this is wrong and this is right. And people hated him for it. Anybody that does that is going to be hated for that. So as as parents, if we are not willing to take a stance on something like this, in this case, trans playing on sports, that's what we just yeah. got done talking about. How in the world can we tell our kids to be brave and courage, courageous teens and adults? Now, we, we are not walking the thing that we're talking. We have to take a stance too. Jack, you, your, your platform, man, you are encouraging a lot of parents, a lot of parents. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't care that I have a target. I think that once you have enough of a target enough times, it doesn't matter anymore, right? Like, you get to a point, like, what happens, and I think the way people get taken down by having that target is because they're not their authentic selves their entire time if they're an influencer, when that thing comes out, well, this is just crazy. Well, I've said from the very beginning, I'll cuss, I'll say things you don't like, I'll, I'll upset you, I'll offend you, and I'll do that every day, all the time, all day long. And so when somebody comes to you and goes, you know what Jack Spierko said? Jack Spierko said there's only two genders or whatever else they say. The, the person that follows me is going to go, yeah, that sounds You're right, Jack. Of course right. he did. Where have you been? Where I think when you have these people that make themselves out to be like they shape them, like the bigger tent theory. Like if I do all the things the way that I'm supposed to do the things, I'll get this big tent. And then they do. But then there's a lot of people in that tent that are inauthentic. Yeah. And so when that person twists a little bit into their authentic self, then people from in the tent attack first, and then the mob joins in. Where Go ahead, cancel me. Good luck. I don't care. I've been doing this 15 years. Good luck. Right. It's a, Some of it could be the the crowd eating themselves, uh, you know, the yeah. cancel culture of uh, you know, we start canceling people, and then they start canceling their own people. Uh, and if things change, uh, you know, they're following one ideology. They're following a few of their, their rules that they are, they want to stand firm on. And, and I'll give it to them at least for standing firm on something. Uh, I guess what they're standing on is not, not what I'd be standing firm yeah. on, but they, you can see it. Sometimes they start to change a little bit or they don't change, but what they're, 
uh, I'm speaking obviously about the left here. What the the left believes in starts to change a little bit, and they start eating their own. They start trying to cancel their own for not going far enough mm-hmm. left now. Well, they do what they're told, and so does the right. To be fair, like so, yeah. I, I'm so old. I remember when the left was anti World War Three. Right. The left was somewhat non-interventionist and at least opposed to the rudimentary foreign wars, especially yes. proxy wars. I remember that. That wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a lot of articles about what's going on in Ukraine right now before they got the new memo. They pointed out a lot of the horrible things that are going on in Ukraine that all just disappeared when they got the new memo. Right. So like this change, I think the biggest delusion that the American people have is that these changes are organic. That, that, that like this is the this is the average person that calls himself left shifting because oh they discovered something no they're following what they were yeah, told they were like, told it's told just a marketing like there's the way you market to the right is you scare the right with with the, with the things that the right doesn't like and they'll take over everything if you don't do this thing and the way you market to the left is you just tell them what to do and since their god is the state they do what they're told. Right. Whatever the majority says, democracy rules, even if it, it doesn't have to be a majority either. It just has to appear as though it were the majority. And boom, you've got buy in. Mm-hmm. Brian, Brian, when the Ukraine thing kicked off, didn't you run into a lot of people that were just running with the narrative and you would challenge them? Yes. So I have family members who uh, when it first started kicking off, uh, I don't watch the news. At all. I don't even I don't know if I have a way to watch the news on my TV, meaning I don't have cable or or satellite. So I would come on here and, you know, listen to Jack or listen to uh, someone else, uh, other people that I trust and start to think, okay, yeah, I can see uh, the, the differences there. And I even let me think five and a half years ago, I think it was hosted two. Ukrainian kids that live in an orphanage. Uh, we found about it through through some friends, found out about this program. We hosted them for a month, and I could see some of the things that everybody talks about, not everybody, that some people are talking about now. Uh, I'll be honest. These kids did not care for other races. No. Uh, we they did not we we were even told in the training if your kids see uh, black people, see some Hispanics, whatever, they may be making comments to them and uh, or not not necessarily to them, but about them. And so when this whole thing kicked off and some people are talking about the, you know, the link between them and, and Nazis or different things, the, the racism over there, uh, you know, I may would repeat some of that and say, mm-hmm. no, I, I see it. And, and yeah. of course, I was called a Putin. You don't know anything. Right. No. You have right. actual firsthand knowledge, but you don't know anything. Right. And I was called a Putin apologist and there. People are tired of me being a Putin apologist. I'm like, guys, I am not at all condoning what is going on right now. What is happening is horrible. But we can't change the fact that they've been in somewhat of a civil war for how long now? And that the side that we are supposedly years. rooting for was doing this horrible stuff before all this started. Yeah. And. Now we just have to switch because the news told us to do so. And if I would say any of this, uh, it was just nonstop, just, and this is family members to me, yeah. uh, people that I've talked to all the time, just nonstop, uh, you know, again, calling me a Putin apologist, getting on me for saying, you know, why, why don't we just go in there? And then I was told, uh, you know, we need to go in there and start a war now. And I was like, really? Okay. <laughs> you're, you're first on the list. 
Yeah. You get, get your shit. Pack your shit, Skippy. Yep. Let's go. And, and I will right. say what left the right, left, baby. Let's go. We'll get you on calling, over there. Here's the next calling game. Jack back. Jack, you're going back in, man. They're they're right. drafting you back in. Yeah. Good luck so. with that. I'm over fifty now. I'm I'm ineligible for service. Right. Well, and that's what the one <laughs> family member said. He's like, not me. I'm, I'm ineligible. I'm like, okay, well. Yeah, but you're the one cheering the war. See, that's the difference, right? I'm right. saying don't do it, and I'm not going. There's a difference. Right. Than saying let's go do it, but not me. Here's my yep. foam finger number one. Right, we're we're used to uh, TV wars. You can tune in, hit pause, go get your popcorn, come back and watch Smart Bomb hit. That ain't how right. this would go down. Not to mention that you know millions of people die in those wars that we see as a spectator sport. On top of it, but mm-hmm. you know, here's the thing. Let's let's get into what you guys are doing. One of the things that is one of the tenets of these 16 things is that the kind of discussions we're having now, which are very adult-level discussions, we need to have these discussions with our children and with kids to teach them how to have these discussions. Why do you think that's so important if it's not pretty obvious from the discussion we've been having? Yes, here we go. (laughs) Um, Many parents, let me set the stage for a traditional parent coming home from work. We get home at six o'clock. We're hoping our other person made some dinner. Maybe yeah. we go to the fridge. We get a beer. We sit down on the couch to put on whatever the heck is on the TV. And all of a sudden it's nine o'clock. Oh, I forgot that I had kids. Well, there goes another night of intentionally teaching anything to my kid. Okay. We don't want that. Cause you do that for a week, a month, a year. Your kids are learning, just not from you. you. So what, what Brian got from you a, a few months back. Is that look? Well, let's let's actually act on this. Let's let's help parents of teens because both of us we got skin in the game. We got teenagers, teenage girls. Let's intentionally get a fa- get the parent to bring the kid to the dining room table. No electronics. The TV's not on. Xbox, PlayStation, cell phones put down somewhere else. Now I don't care how awkward this is, how uncomfortable it is, sweetheart, dude. I love you so much. I'm willing to have this. Let's talk about fill in the blank. So we have these things that we think are important, and they're not going to get it from school. And if they do get it from school, you're hoping that teacher shares your values. Good luck. And if they're not getting it from school, they're getting it from TikTok and Twitter and Facebook, and you're hoping social media shares your values. And if they're not getting it from there, they're getting it from the TV. Go ahead and put your seven-year-old in front of Disney Plus for two hours. Let me know how that goes because they're not getting your values. So what happens, these 18-year-olds leave the house. They're not ready to function. They're not ready to cook on their own. They're not ready to stay fit. They're not ready to actually take care of money. Out there with credit cards, $10,000 in debt, already 18 years old. They're not ready to stand in truth on their faith if you have a faith in the house. They're not ready to understand what truth is. They're not ready to know how to interact with people, how to negotiate with people. They're not. If we don't take the time to intentionally sit down at the table and go over this stuff, they're going to come home one year for Christmas. You're not going to recognize your kid and you're going to realize I missed my chance. So based on that one podcast you had, Jack, you clearly have started this little outreach we have is mm-hmm. we see it. We see a, a spectrum of kids, this teenage band that, that need us as adults, the grownups in the room to intentionally sit down. We know that we love them and we're not the experts, but in their eyes, we are. We just need to talk to them and train them. So let me. It'll sound like devil's advocate, but it's really not uh, when I get to the end of it here. It is the case that no matter how well 
you raise your kids or your grandkids or you do it together with you, hopefully kind of we're very much co-parenting and we realize that we always defer to the parents because grandparents, we fill a role, but we're also one step back in it. No matter how well you do that, your child will probably reach a point where they think you're stupid and they will think that everything you taught them is wrong. And, and they'll be challenged with these new ideas when they go out to the world and they will embrace some of them that are stupid. Yeah. The difference is, will they come back in time? Will they realize the wisdom of what they were taught? And the only way that can ever happen is they have to be taught it. Yep. While there's the opportunity. And I do believe, you know, uh, you guys are, 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 are religious folks. And, you know, if you train up a child in the way they should go when they're old, they will not depart from it. Often they will depart from it when they're young. That's right. But they will return to the strong foundation that they're given. But if we don't give them that foundation, then they are subject to whatever particular creek, river, or windstorm they fall into at any given time. Yeah, and there's nothing to return to if they're not about that. Yeah. So, so Jack, a a picture, um, a building, they use the phrase a cornerstone, right? That's that cornerstone that the foundation is built upon. And I'm willing to bet people listening have their own stories. Man, when I left high school, I rebelled. My dad was so stupid. But when I turned 21, I realized my dad was the smartest one on the planet. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's like that gap in there where we go experience the stuff, and then we come back. But, man, if they don't have that foundation, that cornerstone, literally they will go whichever the way that wind is blowing for culture. They're just going to follow it. They're just going to go. Um, Brian, I, well, I like to use this example of slavery, slavery. If you, any three of us, anyone, I don't care if you're black today, if you were born white in Georgia, Mississippi in 1840, you were raised that the, from that culture, that slavery was not just okay, but it was pushed as good. That's what, that's what the culture taught you. Yep. Okay. We, we can look back and know that it's wrong. If you were born in certain parts of Europe in the 1920s and thirties, you were taught that this Nazi regime coming in with Hitler, this wasn't just okay. This is the way forward. We can look back and judge. Well, we're going to be judged too. Up, oh, oh, man, this COVID. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so our kids, if we could just say, look, this is the cornerstone. This is the foundation. When you leave the house, have something to stand on for when culture just beats you down and beats you down. And you're right, Jack. We can't stop them from running. We can't stop them from walking away. But having that cornerstone to come back to, all, all parents want that. Right. And doing this doesn't mean that your kid is going to turn out the, the exact way that you want. We can do everything right, and sometimes they still get running with the with the wrong crowd. Hopefully we've done our jobs and taught them to uh, why not to run with that crowd. But I kind of liken this to this is man probably ten years ago having a conversation with somebody about why I'm trying to eat a little healthier or why I don't want to spray uh, this horrible stuff on my garden or spray all the weeds with a, a horrible Roundup and things like that in other areas of my yard. And somebody just told me, well, you know, everything can cause cancer, so I'm not gonna, I, I don't even want to worry about that. I said, well, the chances though of getting cancer when doing all of this really bad stuff is obviously a lot higher. And I, I liken that to this and saying that, yeah, my kid could turn out to, uh, 
do whatever, name one thing. They could turn out to do those things. But if I am teaching them not to do that and not only you know, telling them not to do it, but telling them why it's a bad idea, the chances that they're going to turn out to be well-rounded, responsible adults is better. And that comment that you just uh, looked at there, Jack, talking about the strictest parents end up having the most rebellious kids. Yep. So w- we are really careful with that is that we're not we're not here to talk about discipline. That is that is a family thing. It's got mm-hmm. nothing to do with us. What we're trying to do is empower and encourage these parents. Like, look, you love them, you care about them. In their eyes, you're the expert on all of these things. Yeah. Show them that you care. And you know what? You you may do you remember the names of your drill sergeants, Jack? I do. We all do. Yeah. We all do. And I'm willing to bet you have four or five significant emotional events from the army that you can with clarity you can remember. So well, imagine- here's an interesting one. So um Someone here just said this. Yeah. Okay. So this person, Green Country, said, I learned when I was, when it was used on me, and he's talking about uh, punishment, his stepfather was a son of a bitch. But my mom telling me that she was disappointed with my behavior, that Mm. slayed me. So you had my drill sergeants in basic were Brown, Arroyo, and Irving. And Drill Sergeant Arroyo was one of the last guys to come out of Pathfinder School when they discontinued it. He was one of the most tracked soldiers I've ever known in my life, and he never yelled. He never yelled. The other two screamed constantly. He was the quiet one. He was the fatherly one. And right toward the end, I mean, like we knew better. It was a day before graduation, and we were just screwing off. And he walks out, and he just goes, just drop. <laughs> this is a drill sergeant that did not drop a class in an eight-week basic cycle. Not once. He had not dropped us. The sound people were making, like doing push-ups at that point in basic, you don't give a damn. I'll do 100. I don't care. They were screaming for him. But they were like, no, what it was is just people saying to each other, mumbling as they were doing. Oh. We let drills on the road down, man. Yeah. We, we Like that hit harder than anything the other two could have done. Because he had set an expectation of excellence, and he made us believe we were capable uh, of it. And then we blew it, so we blew it for him. Yeah. And this is where, like, there's a question here. We might as well hit it now because we're dancing all around it. And it's about whether or not, you know, non-aggression principle. Well, I saw children, that. Should spanking or hitting children, is that a violation of the nap? In my opinion, it, it should be judged the same way. So I don't believe in violence unless it's necessary. And necessary means I don't have another option. So let, there was a thing that happened recently where a kid was beating the hell out of a teacher. Okay, I will put that kid to the ground, and I will use whatever force is necessary to stop that because that's a brutal attack on another human being. I'm sitting with my child who just did something I didn't like. I don't need violence to sit to fix this problem. I control everything in that kid's world. And so my entire philosophy of parenting has always been my rules exist so that one day you won't need them. So we have rules, and my goal is to constantly remove rules. One of the consequences of you not being responsible with the removal of rules is the application of rules that you're too old to have. But you've demonstrated that you cannot conduct yourself without those rules. So we'll bring the rules back for a time, and we'll see how it works out. My grandson has been struggling because he, he's, he's not a guy that likes work. Right? He likes to shirk work. Like he puts more effort into not doing work than that work actually is. So he was trying to get himself fired. So all I did was cut his pay in half. I'm like, you will never get fired, but you will work for free. And when you like, this is where you know 
you're in trouble if you were like caught behind enemy lines and you've got somebody interrogating you. The guy that comes in and starts screaming at you and all, he's out of control. He could be dangerous, but he doesn't know he's in control. The guy that walks in and says, okay, so now we're going to have a talk. And he's completely calm. You know you're in deep shit. He understands that he has complete control of the situation. We control what our children have. We control what they don't have. Now, least anybody think I'm saying I would never put my hands on a child other than for, like, the violent thing I talked about earlier. Now, if I tell my kid he's not leaving and he says, yes, I am, and, you know, we're talking about a 12-year-old here or something like that where leaving could be really dangerous, something bad could happen, okay, I will, fit, I will restrain, but I'm not spanking a kid because what I'm doing then is conceding the fact that I can't use my intellect and logic to reason with a 12-year-old which I can. So I either have a child old enough to understand logic and reason or I don't. And either way, hitting them is probably not the best solution. Now, you guys may differ. People in the audience may differ. But I think if you conduct yourself the entire time and you teach the child, my goal is for you to have no rules, then you can get into the point where you're drill sergeant Arroyo, where when dad is disappointed or mom is disappointed that you didn't do the things we expected from you, it is far more impactful than spanking a kid. I agree. Uh, you know, Luke and I, obviously, we, we've mentioned that we have teenagers and uh, all the way down to the youngest is minus eight weeks, I think now. And uh, so all the way from 14 down to eight weeks and all of our kids are spread in that range. Mm. And I, I completely understand how you feel about having the one kid who just wants to avoid work. And Lou can, can tell you this. I mean, he coached him in soccer, but my 12 year old just tries to get out of a lot of stuff. (laughs) And I, we, we've tried everything from, we're just trying to motivate him to do something physical. And, and I'm not talking about something just crazy. I mean, just go jog a little bit or walk down the road or whatever. But, um, you know, we have that discussion and, and there's times I just, I get incredibly frustrated. I'm like, I'm at my wits end almost just, I don't know how else to do this. Uh, but we did finally find something that got him motivated. And I think it's yesterday or two days ago, he went out and walked eight miles on his own. Okay. And, but just sitting them, him down and having that discussion about the importance of it and getting figuring out a way to get that kid motivated to do something. And it's different for everyone. Some people I can just say, Hey, you should do this. And they want to go do it. Some, we have to have an hour long discussion of why this is important, why you want to do this. And then maybe eventually after five years of doing this, they start to get that motivation. Uh, but as far as the spanking or anything, there's no, yeah, I would say maybe our two-year-old, we may, and, and this may trigger some people, we may hit them. And what I mean by that is they keep grabbing things that they should not be grabbing, something like that. And we don't hit them hard. We give them a little swat on their hand because they don't understand us saying no 50,000 times. That's sometimes just that little swat. It doesn't even hurt, but they may cry because they know that we're more disappointed mm-hmm. or scared. And that's about the extent. Um, I haven't had to hit one of my, you know, my 12 year old, that wouldn't have worked anyway. If I tried to give him a spanking, I mean, you haven't, done that. You haven't done that probably since breakfast. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's been at least a few hours. Um, <laughs> Hey, I, I want to go back to one thing. Uh, your story about drill Sergeant Arroyo. Yeah. Right. 
And so what we're doing is creating that experience. Okay, ready? You vividly remember this scenario, mm-hmm. Jolson Arroyo. He, if, if he's still alive and if you talk to him, he would probably have no clue what happened. No. To, to you. Too many classes, too many That's people. right. Yeah. That's absolutely right. And yeah. anyone that served any, even just a year in the military, understands there are significant emotional events that we remember vividly. I couldn't tell you what I had for breakfast yesterday morning, yeah. but I can tell you about something that happened you know, two decades ago. So imagine – we haven't even said our website's name yet, and that's – maybe yeah. we'll get to that. But can you imagine, parents, you sit down with your kid, and your kid is looking at you like, what the hell is this guy doing? Why is she going to have a conversation with me? And you two could argue. You could spar and debate this. No matter how it goes, when you part ways, your kid is going to know, dang. My dad or my mom just had this crazy awkward, but it was good. Now I uh, now I get how much my parent loves me, and I'm willing to bet the very first time you do that, you will create a significant emotional event you won't ever know. Your kid will be 24 years old with a kid of their own thinking, I want to do that with my kids. Right. So those those events, man, they are very powerful. And Brian, to your point about Owen, I think you got him motivated for those Spartan races, man. I think so. Um, So we'll jump into that a little bit, but uh, I don't know. Jack, have you heard about Spartan races or tough mutters? Do you know anything about Uh, I don't, but I can kind of, the Spartan race thing, I can kind of figure out what that is just by the the terminology. Sign them up, Brian. Obviously some some type of uh, athletic uh, race that has certain physical challenges in it. Here's my thing. I don't have any problem with getting him to physically exert himself for athletics. Right. It's, it, it's work. work. It's work. That he doesn't so like he goes to baseball practice and he's the hardest kid in the sprints. He's the hardest kid running the bases. He's he's a he's a starting pitcher. He's out every day working on his pitches. But when grandpa says, hey, go take care of this five minute task. Then there's 18 ways he's trying to connive his way out of doing it. It's just a, it's just a thing. But I. I have a solution, and it is simply put that when one avoids work, one gets more work. And then I don't lose my temper. I don't get angry. I don't yell. I'm like, okay, so I asked you to do this one thing, and it's still not done, and you're still talking. And you know how to do it. Are you confused about what to do? No. Okay, you're not confused about what to do. Okay, then go to this task and this task. And then, you know, if if five minutes later we're still talking, so now it's task A, it's B, it's C. Bye. And then I walk away. And then he goes, see what I mean? And that, like, to me, like, that is without being, I'm not being a dick about it. I'm just, cause, and this is, I think, the other important thing. If that is to be the consequence or whatever the consequence is to be, the effective communication needs to be, if this, then that. If not this, then this. Right? So that he was fully aware. <laughs> like, this thing just happened one day out of the nebulous world. I, I said, he got multiple warnings. If you keep doing this. Work will make more work. And then do you understand that? Yes. Say it back to me. Like I actually will make him because he's so I wouldn't do this with every kid. He's such right. a shyster in this way <laughs> that I need to be sure that we understand each other before the hammer comes down. Right. And anyway, but I do want to hear about the Spartan races. I'm sorry, but he's no, you're fine. An athletic dodger. He's a work dodger. Right. So one of the lessons that we've done, and, and again, at some point we'll get into what the website is and the lessons, but we send out, uh, before we even get into that, we send out lessons each week. 
And one of them was on getting out of your comfort zone and doing something difficult, whether that's athletic, so something physical or mental. And, and we use the example of, you know, what if your kid who's a teenager and they're working at McDonald's and they go in tomorrow and say, you know, one of the managers quit and there's an open position to be a manager. I've known several people who want, who just want to come in and say, well, you know, I, I prefer to just make my whatever that is, $10, $11 an hour. I don't want the headache of stepping out of my comfort zone and being the manager and making a couple extra dollars an hour. So we want to teach kids to or help the parents teach kids to not be that and say, yes, I will step up into that leadership role. So with the uh, on the physical side of that, as I mentioned, first thing there, Luke, uh, when he was we were doing the men's group, he talked to us about all of us in the men's group joining a Spartan race. And I've, at that time, I had no idea what a, a Spartan race is. Here you go, Jack. You ready? Look yeah. at all the look at all those fancy little things right there. Yeah. All the medals. All yep. the medals. So we did, uh, we go do these Spartan races and we see everybody out there from, you know, the young fit people to, uh, one of our first races. We saw a group of grandmas out there doing these races. And then we go tell our friends, Hey, come join this Spartan race. Nah, I can't do that. And some of these people are pretty fit that we're talking to say, I, I can't join a Spartan race. I can't do it. I can't do that. Well, why not? I'm not in good enough shape. So you're not in good enough shape, but this group of 60 year old women can go out and do not just one. They did all three in one weekend, which is a half marathon on Saturday, a 10 K Sunday morning and a five K Sunday afternoon. They did all three of them. And it's not, difference. And it's not on flat concrete. I mean, these, it is not. This was in the hills of like West Virginia. No, Jack, listen, right. people with one leg, like the other oh, leg is like that, that, that razor blade looking thing. Yeah. Going up the ski slopes of Vermont. And Brian are like, yo, we need to get parents with kids out of their comfort zones. So yeah, Brian, probably about a month and a half ago, two months ago, just reached straight out to him and said, look, can you give us some way to give people a discount? He, he got a discount so anybody can just get 25% off. And dude, 25 of a race that costs like 160 bucks. That's a significant savings. Right. And so we're doing what we can to help people look, get off the couch. There's no cool story on this planet. Jack, I challenge you to get a guest that can start a cool story like this. So there I was sitting on the couch, eating a salad. (laughs) Nobody starts a story with that. Get out there in the woods, go up, climb an obstacle, climb a road, get your kid out there with you. So he, if anybody wants a discount coach for everybody, anybody that wants to get their teens out there and challenge. Yeah. So it's, and it's for Spartan and Tough Mudder. I don't know if you guys know, but I think Spartan bought Tough Mudder. Yeah. And so any Spartan or Tough Mudder race, it's uh, the discount code is of 16 things. So one, six things, all, all caps, no spaces, and just challenging people to get out of their comfort zone. And I can tell you, so I heard this quote, how oh, is two or three years ago? Uh, trying to remember it exactly, but if you, if you do hard things, life will be easy. If you only do easy things, life will be hard. And I can see that, uh, you know, from my work, I work outside sometimes on a, on a roof on an 80 degree day and it's sunny, it's hot. And I may have somebody working with me that doesn't challenge themselves, doesn't do anything like that. And they're just almost dying out there. They cannot function and they, they have to take a short day and it's just too hot. And, Meanwhile, uh, and, and not trying to brag about myself, but I'm out there and I am, am typically the one that'll get up there and do that. And I just don't feel it the way they do. 
and I think just again, challenge yourself to get out of your comfort zone will kind of beat that out of you. If you can do something like that, or I started a couple years ago taking ice baths or cold baths, you do something like that. And then mentally, most of the things just don't bother you throughout the day. There's a, mental, a lot easier. there's a mental memory from the military. I remember one of our FTXs in basic, we had to take these cold ass showers and you needed a shower. Mm-hmm. So you did it. I mean, it was, it was freaking cold. Like, like way colder than just the cold water out of your faucet. And I remember the drill sergeant say, one day, man, when you're older and you don't have to, you'll do this just to remember it. I can solemnly swear I've never had to do it just to remember it. <laughs> I've done some cold ass water since then for various reasons, but I have never turned the cold water on in the shower. That might be a Scott Harvath character trait from a Brad Thor novel, but it's not a Jack Spiracle one. But there is something to putting yourself through something. I think this is why, like a lot of people that, you know, that are in the corporate world that work out, they don't work out after work or at lunchtime. They leave an hour early. They go to the gym on the way to work. Right. Because Mm -hmm. then that's behind you and you've done something already. Yeah, it sets the mood for the day. It does. At some point, you got to let us plug the website because there's this whole section. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, we're, yeah. 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 So, um, Again, parents, this is set for parents. I know there are a lot of parents. Listen, don't you – we all want our kids to look back. Okay, a year goes by. Like, hey, kiddo, what makes you better than a year ago? Don't we all want our kids to have challenged themselves and they are a better person over the year? We all do. So this, when Brian did the newsletter for this on a Monday and Thursday morning, I got it, and I sit down with my kids. Brian and I do this together, and I still sit down with my kids and go over the lesson he wrote because they're that good. And I'm telling you, we, we, we all want our kids to be better in a year than they are now. And it doesn't just come naturally, man. I mean, this whole thing just bleeds being intentional. And at the top of that screen there, where it's, yeah. So you could just, you could just scroll them. Um, I just added one at the bottom, third one. Uh, uh, yeah. Third one. I just added that last night is building relationships. The culture will tell you, Dude, go have sex with anybody you want whenever you want. There are no repercussions. And you know the joke of it is that same culture will tell you just abort that baby whenever you want to abort that baby and continue that lifestyle. Which one of us as a parent is going to tell our kids to go do that? Some 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 of us struggle with pornography. That's not what I'm here to talk about. We have struggles. But which parent is going to tell their kid, dude, culture says go get hooked on porn. Culture says you don't need to date a girl. You can be 30 and single and just continue. What parent would tell their kid to go do that? So this is not judging parents with stuff. We've I've gone through. Everyone goes through these things. It's about parents being intentional with kids like, yo, there's a better way to do life. Let's have a conversation about this. So, yeah, so when somebody goes to that website, the first thing they're prompted to do is plug in an email, get a newsletter. Dude, it's free. And on a Monday morning at 9 Thursday morning at 9, there's this lesson, maybe a little video link to our YouTube, and that's it, man. Use that idea if you want to. Delete it if you want to. But, man, you're going to find something at some point that says, yes, this is the one. I need to sit down with my girl. I need to sit down with my boy and talk about this thing. Eventually, you're going to find it, and that kid is going to be really blessed with you doing that. Sure. So, Jack, if it's okay, I'll get into how this thing even started. Yeah, please. Back, uh, I don't even remember when it was. I know it was at least 
last summer, last spring maybe, you did a podcast on 15 things to teach kids that schools won't. Mm-hmm. And I listened to that and obviously absolutely loved it. Uh, Luke and I homeschool. At the time, I wasn't, I didn't even mention this to Luke, but um, early on, he hadn't, I hadn't told him about it, but I listened to that. And I think I told my wife, I said, Mindy, you have got to listen to this. This is awesome. We teach our kids some of this already. And, but I don't think anybody's teaching their kids every single thing on there without having a, a good list to start to learn from. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I had her listen to it. I think we were on a road trip probably. And I just turned it on. I said, let's, let's listen to this. And I think I told her then we have got to do something around this. I said, again, we teach our kids some of this. Let's take this and, and try to figure something out. Well, months go by because I am a business owner and, and I have a ton of kids. So life goes by. We don't didn't really do a whole lot. Finally, I think is last fall. I start working on some of the content and get a website together last late winter or in middle of winter, late last year. And finally decide to put this together to do something with it. Obviously, we added one thing. We changed a little bit to be our thing. But clearly, the idea came from that one podcast and uh, debating on what to do for a website name. So I choose something simple, these 16 things.com mm-hmm. and almost immediately, I think the day the, the website went live, I had sent this to Luke and without even asking for sure, I said, you know, what do you think about this? Knowing that uh, Luke was going to be involved somehow, because as you guys can see, Luke is the, you know, I I'm kind of the, the guy that put it together. Luke is the natural teacher, the better speaker and figured I'd bring him in to, to help with that part of it. Um, right. So brought him in and, and we just took off. Uh, probably mid January was when we sent out the first lesson and just kind of took off with it. But we're not even saying that we are the experts here. Like Luke said, we do these lessons with our kids. So our kids are not perfect. We are, are for sure. I know I can say I am 100% for sure. I am not perfect. But we recognize that there's a need to get this in front of parents, to get this in front of their kids, to just sit down and have those tough conversations sometimes of what do you do in this situation? So I want to take that and run with it. And and like you said, we do these lessons, too, almost every single week, unless we have a busy week or something. We are sitting down with our kids at the dining room table or at the dinner table and having these discussions with the kids. And we yeah. talked about a couple, but last week's was even on growing lettuce, the importance of having a, a you know, eating healthy. And I see lettuce is kind of the, like you say, chickens are the gateway drug, you know, the gateway animal to more animals. Lettuce is kind of that. It's one of the easiest things to grow. Just Everybody eats it lettuce. somehow, whether it's they on do. a sandwich or a salad or a burger. Right. Fast. You know, there's a million kinds of it. Yeah. 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 So that was last week, last week's lesson. It was, it's too was bad on that. it can't be radishes because they're even faster, but they suck. So. They are. They're not as not. <laughs> You're going to win kids over with radishes. No, not, not as many people eat those. radishes, man. Jack, isn't it cool, dude, that you can put out a podcast? Uh, this was last spring, Brian. I think it was. Jack, you may have a better idea. I, I was thinking last spring around that time. See, it was. One of the great things about podcasting, April 25th, 2022. I think that's right cool, how cool yeah. is it that you can have a podcast? And if you're like me, when I teach kids, I'm like, is anybody really paying attention? Like yeah. we want them to, but clearly someone who's paying attention, they, I'm going to act on this. So 
dude, we've had some great, great response from people that sit down with their kids. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just think, I think our kids are worth our time. I think no, I think they are energy. too. It's why I did that. And like, you guys made some kind of comment, like, you know, we're not lifting your material or whatever. When you set your ally, I don't care. Like, this is why I do what I do. This is, and this is not the only time this has happened, but it is like the biggest payday. You put out an episode and you go on and do the next thing. And if somebody takes that idea and they crystallize it into something more and they go out and they act on it, like I'm not doing this just to entertain myself. I want to have impact. So that, that to me is huge. And, and that kind of transitions to the next thing on this. Skills are a big part of this because yeah. mostly what we've talked about up to now is more, I guess, philosophy and thought. Right. And philosophy and thought have a great effect on action indeed. However, you can have all the right thoughts and the action indeed will be impeded if you do not have sufficient skills. So a lot of what we talked about in that episode, a lot of what you guys talk about is the ability to do things and skills. Like you mentioned growing lettuce, so that would be you know, gardening and plant cultivation would be a skill. Uh, what are some of the skills you guys focus on and why do you think skills are so important uh, for our young people today? Brian, let me take the the lettuce one. When I first saw him send out the the lesson with a video on lettuce, my first reaction was like, seriously, like. <laughs> and then when he, then Brian, I give you a hard time, right? Because your son, the twelve year old, he was talking about. If y'all yeah. see my face, here's how we started the video. That kid did not want to be in that video. It was great, yeah. but but after I watched, I'm thinking, okay, this relates to me. Okay, so. The Army had me go from Korea to Fort Bragg, Korea to Fort Bragg, and then they sent me to Minnesota to be in recruiting. And I've told this to Brian a couple of times. It was my first time being out of the barracks. It was my first time being away from a dining facility. And then you want to make it worse on recruiting. We're driving everywhere, gas station food, coffee shops, <laughs> fast food. Out of 21 meals in a week, I'm eating out 19 of them. Okay. The other two were probably ramen. Yeah. So I, I failed my first physical fitness test ever, and I failed my body fat that first, that same day ever. I was like, oh, my freaking God, this I cannot continue. In other words, I was not mature enough in this to take care of myself. And yeah. I was, I don't know, 26 years old. Yeah. Um, so, so I kind of relooked Brian's lesson, and like it's more than just growing lettuce. And you mentioned the radish. Can you imagine, though, you sit your 14-year-old down and you, you grow radishes. And it's not the radish itself to eat. It's just the lesson that, look, your nutrition matters. Your food matters. You can do these things. You can make good decisions. I got it. That's not a hard skill. But just thinking about the lettuce, at some point, those kids might actually go out there and plant some food. They might. They might get some chickens, the gateway drug. But if or I the foundation might bring them back yes. in the future when they're older, right? Like. Right. So I looked at that as a skill set that I didn't have. And eventually Brian's going to put some lessons out there about how to actually make some of this food. I have no doubt he will. Brian, what else do we have for hard lessons? Finances, maybe? Finances. Sure. That's one. Um, where Luke has, has taught uh, jujitsu. So we'll eventually do one on some sort of self-defense. Uh, not exactly sure how that's going to look right oh, now. I have, but I have ideas already. You believe, sure. You better believe it. He, he may uh, maybe even choke me out. Uh, and, and not stop when I tap. I don't know. Um, so things like that. And then what was one? I, I think, Luke, uh, I believe my wife just mentioned that your two oldest, my two oldest, and we have some good friends with, with two kids about the same age. Their two oldest are all taking a 
first aid class on Saturday. Okay. So my oldest had taken, um, I think it was the online, some, some sort of online version of first aid slash, um, uh, what was it exactly? I don't know. I, I forget exactly what she took, but anyway, she did some sort of, of online version of it. And I think she talked to the two other moms, got your kids taking the, the online version. Plus my second oldest was going to take it by Saturday. And then I think that by Saturday they're they're going to go through a yep. more in depth version of this, and and I believe they may be by the end of Saturday certified in CPR. So things like that, uh, just again the hard skills to learn to to function in life. Because like Luke said, you know, you get out of school if you've never cooked anything. What do you do? Go to McDonald's. I, I think there King. might be a lot of parents in like the Gen X early boomer range that still have young kids that because of what we learned in school, we don't understand that's necessary. When you were saying that, I remember right. in seventh grade in health class, we learned uh, CPR and first aid. And we had some kind of a certification like level one Red Cross first aid. Yeah. Or yeah. CPR certification in seventh freaking grade in public really? school. I can't ever remember taking that in public school. So to me, though, that there's parents, you know, in my age bracket, because I'm kind of a young grandfather. Yes, I'm young for a grandpa. Anyway, (laughs) don't get off my lawn and don't say I'm not right. (laughs) But I am young for a grandpa. So there are people that are my age that have kids that are in their teens. And I think a lot of times maybe like like you said, they come home, they're tired. They just want the day to be over. They hope there's dinner already so they don't have to make it. Maybe at least if I did the dinner, somebody else will do the dishes and the kids are just and so they're tired. And they think a lot of the stuff that we should be teaching kids like, oh, I don't know how to use a bandsaw. Learn that in sixth grade. Right. How, how to save a life. Learn that in seventh grade. They, they, they assume that this huge tax bill they're paying and property tax and their kids at school. They don't have these conversations because they don't know. Well, they're learning to learn that in school because I did. And then you guys are not that much younger than me. I'm thinking in the 10 yearish range. And you are like, I have no memory of such a thing. So it's been gone a while. So that medical stuff, I, I've already got my, I don't know how I want it to look. I think it's under yeah. the self-defense. The, last summer I was in Colorado and my buddy and I, we were driving after a Spartan race actually. And there was a very fresh accident. I mean, really fresh. A motorcycle, boom, hit a car. The driver was two thirds in every, both people in the motorcycle did. But I, we pulled over. My buddy and I, we get out, tell the kids, they're all in the van. They all saw this as we pull over, and we both run over there. He's active military, and I'm retired active. And there's probably four or five people there, grew to about 15. Nobody knew what to do. Hmm. Nobody had the courage or confidence to open the door to, to do this, do this. I started giving CPR and this poor lady that you could tell she's dead, but you don't yeah. always know. And so yeah. I'm doing this for about a minute and a half, two minutes. Paramedics show up, and I'm thinking – my kids saw this out of the window. There's a story to be told that what if you're the only one there? Mm-hmm. Do you know what you either do or you don't know what to do? There's not a lot in between. I want my kids to know what to do. And so do the parents. Well, what if the lesson is basic, a Heimlich maneuver, whatever, whatever <laughs> it is, something short, but we want our kids to know how to do things. So you mentioned the bandsaw. Maybe we should issue all the parents a bandsaw, make sure they got one, right? Make them sign it out of the, you know, supply room. But I mean, yes, we want our kids to know how to do stuff. And, and that's our goal, man. I love the idea of the bandsaw using tools. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking about that. Like in seventh grade wood shop, actually sixth grade, it was sixth grade. I had wood shop the first time bandsaw, jigsaw, planer, joiner, 
like, you know, all the basic hand, and all the basic hand tools, you know, making joints fit, doing the final fit with a chisel. Like I mm-hmm. learned that in it. And where I lived at the time, this is before we moved to Pennsylvania when I was in, you know, grade school, middle school was not exactly a very high dollar neighborhood. I wasn't going to school with there. Were, there were no rich kids. There were poor kids and poorer kids in the district. Right. So like, but yet we learned how to do that. And then in seventh grade, I had metal shop. I learned how to, you know, do spot. Well, like we didn't do like heavy duty welding, but like, you know, spot welding and, and basic metal cutting and fabrication and riveting and stuff like that. Like I learned that in sixth and seventh grade. So I can very clearly see a parent who's killing themselves every day in my age bracket. So they wait a little longer to have kids tired as shit because i get tired now (laughs) just expecting that surely my kids learning this stuff and and i'm here to tell you guys they're not all of this has been gutted i took freaking uh what do they call it all the girls took it like cooking and stuff home ec home ec well i took it initially because well there's all chicks in there right you're 15. All the girls are in this class. Brian and I don't even know what you're talking about. We would never do something we, you like know, that. Like, I'm going to do this. But then I realized, like, I got to cook food and eat it in school when everybody else was in study hall. Like, okay, this right. is cool. So, like, there are all these things that we used to have. You know, it wasn't that the public school wasn't flawed. It was just a lot less flawed. And I don't feel like most practical application skills – are not taught. This is why we have 25 year olds on Twitter. I'm adulting today because I did my laundry. I, Dude, I don't want like blood starts like pulsing in the little artery in my temple, and I'm worried if I nick it, I'll bleed to death when I hear stuff like this. Dude, let's make it even worse. Um, as a person that is around 12th graders, I, I, I don't know if it's for sure, but I'm pretty sure I got to be the only teacher telling people you don't got to go get a four year college degree. Yeah. You can if you want to. Yeah. If there's a degree you absolutely – you want to go to medical school, go to college. You want to be an engineer, you probably go to, go to college. Dentistry. But, dude, if you're looking to be a mechanic, do some HVAC, you're looking to be this, this, and this. Dude, there are, there are Votech. There are tech schools. Go get this trade. And I swear it's an uphill swim for me because all the other teachers are telling them, you don't need skills. Not like yeah. that. They, they yeah. won't be that outright. But they're saying – you got to go to it for your college. What they do is they kind of talk about it. If you don't go to college, then you're going to have to do these icky skill level things that are icky and you'll never have any money. And a lot of the guys that do those skills make a lot better money than the guy with the degree that works in a cubicle. Right. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a painter. I do painting, pressure washing, and I have a, I'm 41 actually today, 41. And I have a 22 year old brother. That's right. When I was a senior in high school, my parents came and said, Hey, guess what? We are pregnant. And that was the fifth, fifth kid in our family. And so as I'm, as he's leading up to college, I try to talk to him and say, Tyler, you know, you can, you don't have to go to college. You can look at other options. And I'm not saying don't go to college. If you have something else or something you want to do that, that requires the college degree, Go ahead and work on it. And he, I would say he's doing it right. He, he went to IUPUI. He's about to graduate. He's going to come out with, I don't think, any debt. He works for me two or three days a week and pays for what he needs to, to pay for. So, cool. um, but I was telling him beforehand, I said, you can look at doing something else. Let's say something that feeds off of my business. Yeah. Uh, I get people all the time. Do you clean windows? Do you clean gutters? Yep. Nope. And I'm too busy to do it. Yeah. But there, there comes in Tyler. And actually last year he started doing windows. He came to me a little over a year ago 
last winter and said, Hey, I think I want to start washing windows. I said, great. Let's, let's watch a bunch of videos. Let's figure out how to do this. And so I go buy all the tools. There's money in that. There is money. So he, as a, yeah, as a junior, uh, going into a senior year, we, he wasn't booked full time for sure, but I just used my business to feed off and, and start bringing in window washing customers. And I would say when he did that, or he also took over some of the pressure washing, but when he's pressure washing or cleaning windows for me, for my business on the the side, when he's not busy doing that, he was painting, but he's making 40 to $50 an hour mm. in college washing windows. Yep. He didn't, he didn't have to get a two year degree to learn how to wash windows. No. He just started doing it. The first couple of times we sucked. And I mean, we ended up doing it right. That's so we did not clean the it. windows right. Yeah. It just took us a while to learn. I pay for it. I have three beautiful picture windows I put in for my wife because she wanted them. And she deals with all my crap. So when she wants something, if it's in any way reasonable, yep. we're doing yep. it. Like, I'm like, I'm not a window guy. And she's out there trying to clean them and they just streak because they're right where the sun hits. So we mm-hmm. have somebody come about four times a year that really gets them perfect, you know, and. I'll pay for it. And there's people like me out there and you can make a lot of money doing it. You know, mm-hmm. and if, if I had 50 windows to clean every month, I probably wouldn't pay for it. But if I have three to clean a few times a year, I'm just do it. I'm I, pay for it. I hope there's some parents listening to this thinking, man, why have I been pressuring my 17 year old to go to college? Yeah. Ask yourself, why, why have you, what have you been told in your life that makes you believe that's all they need to do? I'm going to say something that's going to piss some people off. Yes. I think a lot of parents are doing it for their own benefit, even if they don't realize it. They want the status symbol that my boy or my girl's off at college. Ah. They want to be able to say my son, my daughter graduated from college. Right. It's not your life. We're here to talk about raising adults. Yep. We're not here to talk about raising children. Raising right. children is the is is the thing that you do for the product, which is an adult, right? Yeah, so if you're raising saying. an adult, your belief, no matter what it is, that you should have any say over what they choose to do with their free will when they become an adult is a effing illusion. And you have no business telling another human being how to live their life in, in the grand scheme of things. Ethics, morality, all that, absolutely. But what they do with that is theirs. You had your life. You got your chance. And when you say, I want them to have it better than me, then stay out of it so they can choose the path that's right for them because that was your path that you didn't take. It's not your kid's duty to walk your path you didn't take for you. Sorry. And being forced. Dude, uh, you ever get in trouble in the military? You ever get in Article 15? Because I got three of those things. And I imagine. Oh, one. <laughs> okay. So, so, dude, Jack, let's say you and I, our passion is yeah. sweeping, the, uh, sweeping the floor. There's okay. nothing you and I love more than getting that whisper room and just getting it, just getting that All garage. Right. Okay. Then we get in trouble. Yeah. And somebody says, Jack and Luke, get your butts out there in the garage and sweep that floor. Dude, we're <laughs> going to, we're going to resist. Nobody wants to be told what to do. Yeah. Nobody yeah. does. So when we pressure yeah. our kids to go into these things, even if they actually wanted to do, dude, you're forcing a culture of resistance that you got, we want our kids to come to us for help, to come to us for advice. And that happens. When we set up a great relationship with them, yeah. But man, when they leave the house, if they remember you as the disciplinarian, somebody put that in the chat, as the one that beats the kids, as the one that pushes, the one that forces, the one that scolds. Good luck getting them co- to come back to you for Christmas. Good luck getting them to call and introduce grandkids. 
got to set up that relationship when they're teens or younger. Right. Going back to the doing some of the hard work, I'll tell you, Jack, I have, aside from the 22-year-old the who's about to graduate college, uh, I have two other brothers. And one of them is a pilot and one works in finance. And then I'm a painter. So I don't use my college degree. Uh, I guess you could say that I did get a business management degree. So I'm using that. But uh, within reason, I mean, about, I don't know exactly what they make, but I'm pretty sure we make about the same amount between us three. Yep. And the benefit to me is one, I, since I own my own business, I can write off a lot of that, a uh, lot of my expenses versus they are taxed at the highest rate as being employees. And two, I took a lot of time off last year. I think I took at least eight weeks off just for vacations and or Spartan races. I took, I think, three two-week trips, took a trip to Hawaii. That was to run a race, uh, a few races, and then went to my kid's church camp, worked that all week. And so I'm taking off, again, at least eight weeks plus the Fridays and, you know, a couple extra days for some of those small trips and um, versus they're working – tons of hours and missing their kids events, missing different things, That's but right. they can say that, Hey, I'm a, I'm a, and, and I'm not dogging on them. Obviously I love my brothers, but they can say that, Hey, I'm a pilot or I work in finance and I can just say, I'm a, I'm a painter, but we make about the same amount and with a whole lot more freedom. Man, can you imagine these 16 things, right? There's us. Yeah. Somebody sits their kid down and has this exact conversation. Yeah. It's like, dude, yeah. what, what have you been told you have to do after school? Oh, well, dad, you know, all, all my teachers say I got to go do this. Well, it, can you imagine that conversation from you as yeah. a parent that gives them a counter idea, a counter narrative? That is so powerful. I mean, they're going to look at life like it's a revolutionary idea. It's like, wait a minute. I don't have to do something. None of us want to have to do anything. None of us do. If somebody joins the army to be a cook. And they choose to be a cook, good for them. Literally, yeah. they're going to have a great time. Yeah. But when you join to be a cook, because that's all you qualified for in the test, you didn't have options. Why? Well, you could have not joined. Nobody wants to have to do something. Present an alternative to kids. Yeah, have those conversations, man. No, I agree. On the college thing, are you guys, either of you familiar with Matt Powers? No. I don't think I've so. I've had him on the show, but it's been ages. Um He's a permaculture teacher. He actually was a public school teacher. He ended up a teacher at a charter school in California, one of the better charter schools in the state. And he had his students do an exercise. This was the entire exercise. Figure out the degree you think, and they were like juniors, right? Figure out the degree you think you want to pursue at the college you think you want to go to. Figure out what the tuition and cost of four years at that school is. Figure out what your salary will be when you graduate. And determine how long it will take you to pay for your education if you do it all with student loans. And build this in an, in an Excel spreadsheet so it's a, a legitimate financial model. He didn't say go to school. He didn't say don't go to school. He didn't say everybody should go to college. He didn't say nobody should go to college. He didn't say become a welder instead of go to college. He just said do this exercise. Well, like 70% of the kids went, I don't know what I want to do now, but I know I don't want this because this never pays for itself. Yeah. He almost got fired. The parents were the ones that went mentally apeshit. 
The parents lost the plot over this, and it's where I had my little soapbox moment earlier because they had figured that Johnny was going to Stanford. And then they could, and they, maybe they already told the neighbors at a dinner party where they had apricot sauce pork tenderloin or some <laughs> crap, right? It, it's my secret, the apricots or whatever they did. And they said Johnny was going to Stanford and Johnny's like, yeah, I'm not going to Stanford for a degree in art history because I'll never get my money back. And so that's a bad decision. Now you have to really think about the mindset of a parent that would be upset that a child made a well-informed, economically-based decision about the rest of their life. And you might think I would kick those parents really hard. I won't because they're the product of the same system that's oh. churning out that kid. It's, and it's selfish. It's very uh, selfish. Yeah. Uh, uh, if someone asked me, Mr. Grimm, we're back to the military. Should I join the Air Force or the Army or Navy or Marines? Dude, I don't I'm not I refuse to answer that question. <laughs> the reason being once you're actually in the military and you're the one that puts on the boots and you're the one that's got to shave your face every day, don't ever think you did it because of me. Yeah. Don't and I tell parents that haven't said too much to me because of my 20 years, but I'll say it in front of the parents, don't you dare let a parent tell you what to do, which branch to do, which which, which job to pick because you're the one that's got to go do yeah, it. Do it. Yeah. So in my story, dude, I joined the infantry. Then throughout my senior year, a lot of family members, not my dad, they got in my head. They said, what are you going to put on your resume when you get out? Again and again and again. Yeah. I, went back, I went back to Oakland, California. I changed my contract to be in the Signal Corps, which I don't regret. But, yeah, I went through a lot of what-if moments. Yeah. And I went through a lot of how did I let other people influence me like this? I absolutely did. So, parents, if you're listening to this, your kids will remember you as either supporting and encouraging or pushing because of what you want. You know, on that one, too, if it was right or wrong for you, that's that's individual. But at, oh, yeah. at least it had a somewhat valid point. Right. There was at least a validity to it that if you had a skill, you were more marketable when you got out. It still might not be the right choice. But a lot of the stuff that parents are telling kids like that today what they're saying is not even valid. Like I had this yeah. young kid that worked for me for a while. He was all about going to college. You could tell this kid was probably not right for college, you know, good upper middle income family, respectable young man. If you, if you really made sure he knew what you wanted, he would do it right. And he, once he knew it every time, not really big on independent thinking and stuff like that. Not real academic, no real goal for college. And you should have seen this kid's face. And it just come out the day that we were having this conversation while he was doing some work for me. I said, you know, they're hiring welders with a year of experience out in the oil fields right now for 80 grand a year starting. He had no idea. And he's like, well, maybe I should go be a welder. I'm like, you shouldn't be a welder unless you look into welding and you like it. Because there's a lot of stuff you can do. I'm just trying to point out that whatever you think you have to do, you probably don't have to do that thing. So maybe you should be more informed about what you do. And in the, this kid's whole, I don't know what he eventually did. I doubt it was go to college and I doubt it was become a welder, but like you could see right in that one moment, it was like, Oh shit. Everything I've been told is a lie. And I think the parents that are listening to this and, and, and you know, you see these commercials about talk to your kids and stuff and you go, the things they're telling you to say your kid will never listen to. They'll listen to things like this. though. Yeah. And you can have that conversation with your kid tomorrow. You won't know it. 
and like you're talking about how they look, like they're miserable or whatever. Like we, I, I've told my wife with our grandson, he's a tween, right? <laughs> he's gonna look miserable ninety percent of the time. He could be being licked in the face by a puppy and eating an Oreo, and he still might look like this. <laughs> okay, right? But you don't know that that thing you said went in, so you take all those shots, and you know some of them are gonna go in. There was a comment in the chat uh, talking about soccer moms and football dads. So parents pushing their kids to go through insane travel, sports clubs, and all that stuff, because that's what the parents want. And so it's funny. Brian and I, we're both coaches. for uh, It's a homeschooling Christian athletic organization, Indy Genesis, short for Indianapolis. And, yeah, we win some games. We lose some games. But the, some of the teams we play against, man, some of these coaches and parents, they have got priorities all upside down. And so for Brian, uh, for me, uh, for you, Jack, it's like, what is important, Jack, for your grandson and the, us for our kids? If we said, you know what, when my kid leaves the house, this is how I would measure success. The three of us might have different answers. Yeah. So dang, dang sure everybody in the chat's going to have different answers. Everyone's got different answers. But if we don't at least think at that about that question, I mean, if we if we process that question – what would I consider my kid to be successful if they went to the right college? Well, who says what the right college is? Well, if they make a bunch of money, well, how much is enough? Well, if they get the right job, says who? Says you? What's, what is the right job? Yeah, or make how, a bunch of money. Well, doing what? Like how about if you, that? If your yeah. daughter becomes a top-level escort and makes more money than you ever dreamed about, are you successful with raising your daughter? Yeah. Right. That's Just the the, is said. money the only gauge? Yeah. And so when we have these conversations, we sit down with their kids. We, I have, I've started to reconsider what is success for my kids. And the biggest thing I keep coming back to is my kids are prepared to stand on their own, that they have a, a foundation. And for us, that foundation is in Christ. And they're ready to stand against the world because the world is going to come beaten and beaten and trying to beat them down. And we want them to be success. We want them to stand on their own and be, we want, I don't know, we want them to find, pleasure and gratification in serving others and they also get paid but man they're giving their time their skills and there's enjoyment in that sometimes that's welding nothing wrong with that go go get man get a hard job work hard with your hands even and if you feel, don't do it your whole life you'll you'll appreciate what you have a hell of a that's lot right you find right. that white collar job that you actually like and you'll remember yep. what it was like being a welder because there's yep. white collar guys that are like man i should have been a welder Yep. If they were out there laying on their back in the dirt with a scorpion biting them in the back of the ear, welding together some crap, some roughneck screwed up, they might not feel that way. On the other hand, they might be like, this is the greatest day of my life. Everybody should find the things that they most have passion for and pursue them and then figure out how to monetize that. Because there's there's almost nothing you can't monetize in 2023. Uh, you're right. That's Oh, boy. Listening to, I'm sure you're familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. And I haven't listened to him for the last couple of years, but I remember for a while, he just kept going on and on about, guys, if you want to talk about peanut butter and jelly, there's somebody out there making 80 grand a year, making YouTube videos about peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Find your passion yeah. and just do it. And with social media and everything, which we can get into that a little bit, but Luke, I don't think is on hardly anything. And same with me. I have a, I check Facebook occasionally and that's about it other than YouTube. And, uh, but if for somebody who is, you can make money doing almost anything. I was trying to talk to my daughter the other day about starting something where she loves art. She's very good at making, she made a quilt the other day and nobody, she's just learning this off of YouTube. 
and she does all the Christmas presents. We'll get art, art from her doing something. And, and I just look at him like, where did you learn how to do this? I just looked on the, on the internet. I just got on YouTube and figured it out. But I told her, you know, maybe start something around art now, just showcasing yeah. some of your stuff, telling people how to do it. Uh, but again, you can make money at, at just about anything nowadays. Do something. There was a kid that got caught in a minivan going through the McDonald's drive through about five years ago. He was like 11 or nine. It was somewhere in that range. He wasn't even a full teen yet. And so when the cops caught him, where'd you get the van? It's my mom's. Did she say you could have it? No. <laughs> did your mommy teach you how to drive? No. Well, how did you know how to do this? I watched it on YouTube. So the kid, like nine-year-old kid, watches YouTube videos of how to drive, steals the minivan, and goes to the McDonald's. I'm not advocating doing this. Right. But it is <laughs> that a nine-year-old can do a thing by watching a YouTube video that you say you can't do by watching a YouTube video because the kid just tries it. Now, that could have ended terribly. Right. So don't make it an advocation, but that just shows the power of a willingness to want something to go research how to do it and then to go give it a shot. Right. Because whatever you're going to do is probably safer than a nine year old driving to McDonald's. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one fourth, of y'all hit. Yeah. The fourth item, fourth yeah. item on your list is how to learn independently. There you go. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. One of y'all hit on something like, um, I'm not sure which one of you it was now, but. When they leave the house, when the kid leaves the house, right, what is successful in your mind as a parent? What would you consider successful? You know, your kid leaves the house and, you know, certain things are in place and you consider yourself a success because when the kid leaves the house, you're okay with them leaving. And so to me, if you don't know how to answer that question, how can you possibly be mentoring a child toward that agenda and that goal? And if, if your agenda and goal is in conflict with the kids, it's also a problem. So I think most of the people, like if you ask them that question, they're going to throw out a random answer that sounds good. It sounds like what you want to hear, but it's not a real answer. Like, I want them to get into a good school. I want them to have a good job, whatever. Like, you know, if you ask me that question, what I want is my kid now, he's an adult, and I feel like he's there and he's doing this. My grandkids, when they come of age, I want them to have the school, the skills the tools and the knowledge necessary to pursue whatever they want and have success in that. That's my, that's, it's a simple goal. It may be difficult to achieve, but it is simple to understand. And you know what it takes? It takes me out of the after I'm all in all the way up until the point where they take that choice. And I'm my decision-making is out. I'm an advisor to the board now, you know? And, and so I never really thought about it in all the times I've talked about this type of thing. But if you don't have that goal, how can you possibly be working toward a goal when you don't know what it is? That where people say, I'm doing my best. That's so, a no, mic, that was a mic drop moment. That question. Yeah. It's, it's a mic drop moment. It, it, you could hear the, a, a pin drop in a room. How can you work towards a goal when you've never defined the goal? And if, I, you've, I never defined, and if you've never defined it as a parent, and you're the one that's actively trying to help your kid. And if you can't define it, dang sure your kid doesn't know. Yeah, I mean, we're the ones that have lived life. We're the ones that have had jobs, been hired, been fired, been to different cities, states, and countries, had to interact with adults. We're the ones with the experience. Our kids don't. Yeah. So if we can't possibly define this, what do we expect from them? That their parent, their, that their teachers are going to yeah. give them the goals? Not. Nah. Teachers got 25 kids in the class for 45 minutes. They spend half the class with classroom management. They're not. No. So 
Dude, that was, that was a mic drop moment. We all got to put some real thought based on our, our, our faith, our values, our morals, our skills. What is it I'd like my kid to have? Because, dude, once that kid is 20, they're not really trying to hear what you want them to do. You're welcome to give advice. Do. Yeah. I think I'm, you're successful if they come back and say, I'm at this decision point and I want your advice. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and what they do with your advice is not indicative of your success because yeah. you don't know what they know, right? They, this is very hard for us as parents. It's, uh, Dave Ramsey calls it powdered butt syndrome. Yes. That par- once you've changed a person's diaper, it's very hard to accept that they may be right about something <laughs> that you're wrong about mm-hmm. or for you to take advice from them, right? But in the end, like, okay, they're powdering their own butts right now. You don't need to be telling them what to do anymore. You need to be, I'm always dad, right? But I'm not, I'm not the dad that tells you what to do anymore, right? I'll always be your father, right? But I'm, I'm here now as a contemporary. You're an adult. I'm an adult. We have to move to an adult on adult relationship versus an adult to child relationship. And I think this is something that's, it's weird to me that we don't talk about this and we don't understand this because we intrinsically understand it. And what I mean by that is if we were good friends, you guys and I were good friends, we all live close to each other. If it was cool like that. And we all had kids that are in, you know, general vicinity of age. When your kids come over to hang out with my kids and we're all sitting around and we're, we're talking and we're discussing the way we conduct ourselves with those kids, we are going to be far more adult than that. I think the average person is, but we are also going to be cognizant of the fact this is a 14 year old. And my relationship with your 14-year-old is going to be different than if you had an adult kid that was 32 and the relationship I would have with him. And that makes perfect sense to us until the kid's ours. Okay, your relationship with your 24-year-old son should be different than when he was 14 because he's not a freaking kid anymore. And you have to think back when you were 24. Right. You were paying your own bills. You lived on your own. How much did you want somebody stepping into your life telling what you're doing is wrong? Yeah. Especially if it wasn't because, oh, like if you're laying on the on the floor with a needle in your arm, I have no problem telling you you're wrong. But you chose this job instead of that job. You turned down instead of accepted a, a promotion, whatever that may be like. That's not my freaking place. And if I did my job right when you were 14, I shouldn't have to do that when you're 24. Right. But what you're talking about means I like that number 24. You use that a couple of times. Yeah. If 14 year old to 24, man, there is some life that kid's going to go through from 14 to 24. Yeah. Real life. And if we said, okay, what do I want for my 24 year old? There's somebody in the chat there that said that my kids, I think it was green country agroforestry. My kids have a place for me at their home. What a great relationship, you know? And, and if that's what we want, it will not happen accidentally. You cannot just stumble into that. It's like you can stumble into credit card debt. You can't stumble out. You no. can stumble into being overweight. You can't stumble out. Mm-hmm. You cannot stumble into a perfectly healthy relationship with your kid. you got to be intentional about it. Yes. Yes, that, that's what we're trying to help with, man. We're trying. Yep, trying to prepare. Let's talk a little bit. Let's kind of book in this with the role that that fathers need to be playing with their kids. And you and I, probably because we work for it, both y'all and myself, are blessed in that we're in intact marriages. And and I think that 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 in my wife's words, it's because I think everybody that does that understands that that love is a choice. Mm-hmm. Talking about what's easy, like it's easy to fall in love. It takes work to stay in love. 
right? Like yeah. it, it takes, you are going to, I promise you this, if you marry someone, you're going to marry a flawed human being. And so will they. Okay? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you're, I, I, you're probably <laughs> the more flawed one. Just saying, guys. Yeah, so right. in this, speak as fathers to other fathers who are in intact marriages, but also speak to the fathers out there that are not, you know, walk away dads that want to be involved, but they have that difficulty as well, because it is way easier to be a dad when you live with kids than when you don't. And I've, I've had friends that have been on both sides of that. Sure. So it is, it, I think it starts with the marriage. And a few months ago, I found a book called his needs, her needs. And it is all about understanding how to work with your spouse and how to stay in that with that good relationship. And that's where it starts. If I don't see my kids, but once every two weeks, it's really tough to, teach them some of these values. And Luke and I both know kids or, or parents who see their kids just every so often and say, I want to teach my kid this, but I see him every other Saturday and Sunday and that's it. And when I do, there's so much that we have to fit in that I don't get to these skills. So starting with the marriage uh, is, is the first thing. And, and I would highly recommend that book, his needs, her needs, and just understanding how, you know, what your wife needs from you in order to want to be with you still. And same thing, what, what I need from my wife to keep her, uh, you know, me wanting her. And then once you have that, then you can work on it better with the kids. But going back to, you know, we come home from work last night, I worked until I got home at almost nine o'clock. And there's some days we're just going to have to do that. But we come home at a normal time, five, six o'clock. We're tired. We just don't want to, we don't want to do anything. We just want to eat. Hopefully our wife, and I'm not saying this to everybody, but if you're doing that, you think maybe hopefully your wife has dinner on the table or soon. And then, you know, and then we want to watch our TV show and veg out until it's bedtime because we're just so tired, both physically and mentally. But it takes that being active role and saying, you know what, I'm, I want to teach my kids something. And I don't want to come across as, hey, kids, gather around the table because I know everything and it's time for me to learn you some knowledge. No, that's not it. It is just intentionally sitting down with the kids when the timing is right and saying, hey, let's let's talk about this or let's do this. A few weeks ago, I came home and I, I don't know if I was home from work early or what, but I I was going to cook the meal that day. And I, I called my two oldest downstairs. I said, guys, I know you're busy doing something, but come down here to learn how to cook a meal today. And I wasn't forceful saying you have to do this. It was more so, guys, come hang out. Let's hang out and let's cook a meal. So I don't even remember what we cooked that day, but we all worked together to cook a meal. And now, uh, you know, maybe my 12 year old would probably need that a couple more times, but I'm pretty sure my 14 year old would say, okay, you know, uh, what exactly did we do? And uh, give me maybe a couple instructions and I can run with this. And I know Luke's can too. How many times, Luke, do, do you have your kids? Uh, I know your two oldest at least can just make a meal. I mean, there's times we leave our kids. Uh, and maybe even tonight we'll go out to dinner and just leave our kids and, and tell my daughter, okay, we're going, we're going to be back at this time. Uh, and don't even ask her what we're, what she's going to make for dinner. Nope, we just let it. her choose. She makes it. I know Luke's can do that too. Yeah. You yeah. know, I grew up in the seventies and eighties. They called us latchkey kids. And mm -hmm. I'm going to say it wasn't all bad, you know, cause you knew how to cook. If nothing else, right. you had to take frozen stuff out of the, the, uh, the freezer 
and, and be like, oh, so you microwave it. Nah, see, we were poor. We didn't have a microwave. We got a microwave in 1987, right? Like, no, we learned, we knew how to like read the instructions, set the oven to 350. The first time you said 350, fine, boom, threw it in there and it burned. You learned to preheat. Like, you learned how to take care of yourself. And it sounds like, you know, your, your, your kids are old enough now they're doing that on some times because you know, we talked about the marriage. Okay. Well, and, and we will occasionally tell our, my son and, and, and my daughter-in-law, we'll keep the kids for a night, go on a date night or go on a date night. We're not keeping them overnight. Pick them up on the way home because mm-hmm. you need time to the yourself as parents and and that's another problem I think that we have. We stop dating our spouse, right? Yeah. Like, right. Drug, dating behavior and marriage behavior are different. And so, like, take your wife out, open the freaking car door for her, do, do the stuff you did back then, just once in a while, guys. It goes a long way, a really you know, long way. One of your initial questions when we started this yeah. was, uh, with dads out of the picture, what is it like with men being men becoming uh, boys becoming men? Is can we just imagine the scenario where us as men we come home and we model this relationship for our kids? We model. It's six o'clock at night. And I'm tired. I'm coming home, and you actually say the words so the whole family can hear. Hey, sweetie, what would you like to do tonight? Can I? Wh- what do you want to watch? Yeah. Maybe not TV, but what is it? Do you? Would you what like you to do? go somewhere? You got it, and you push it until you finally find out what it is she wants. Uh, can I go run the bathwater for you? You know, and your kids are, wait a minute, this isn't what it looks like on TV. That That's not what it looks like. You are modeling what it looks like, and you're also modeling that dating. And our kids are going to, the kids want that. It's healthy. And I think it's going to create better men. So I'm thinking about the boys specifically. Because, man, the boys and girls are pitched different things. It's yeah. complicated, confusing for them. But what Brian's talking about, uh, having kids stay at the home and cook, and what you're talking about with, hey, you go. I got the kids. Take that date nine. Yes. If, so for us, it, the Christ modeled with him in the church as a relationship, it is the husband and the wife that just, it is the concrete that holds everything together. And like the other examples, it has to be intentional. You cannot stumble into a great marriage. You know, I think the other thing that's really made the divorce, I think like making divorce easy is what's made it, you know, the rates climb or whatever. It doesn't help, but I think more we haven't, we haven't taught kids what a freaking marriage is supposed to be, and we haven't modeled it well. My parents had a horrible relationship. I, the fact that I have a successful marriage, I've been with my wife 30 years now, like, I mean, is 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 rare given the background that I had. I had grandparents who stayed married because of religion, and they literally, by the time they were really old, hated each other on, on one side, not both. The other side, of, like, the other side was the only thing I can remember from my childhood of a, of, a, of a marriage that was modeled properly at all. And so when I was a young man, I wasn't hip on this whole idea of marriage at all. Like, because what's in this for me, watching my dad lose half of everything that he worked for, stuff like that, you know, seeing how unfair things were. And I get the whole Met Gal movement, though I don't think it's a good idea. I get why young men feel this way. But it's as much a, a thing because of young women as it is because of young men. And so we used to teach women that there was a value in finding a husband. There's actually an old saying, she pursued him until he caught her. Right. And we taught women that good men 
tend to marry young. They tend to make lifelong commitments and they're gone and they're not on the market. Anymore. And that doesn't mean run out and get married as quickly as you can. But you should be thinking this way as a young woman when you start dating. As fathers, we should model proper behavior by taking our daughters out and doing things with them in a proper way so they can see how they should be treated. And one of the things I think that really hurts, and I know men mean well when they do it, but saying things like, you won't date until you're 22. Any guy that comes in here, I'm going to stomp his butt or whatever, right? Okay, so what you're saying to your daughter is that men are bad, right? That men should be stayed away from. You can't trust men. That's what you're saying to your daughter when you say things like that. Instead of saying, what I want for you when you grow up is to find someone who will love you as much as I do. That's a very different message. And by not teaching young girls the value of marriage as women, don't be surprised when you get what we have. Right. That, that dating your daughters. Um, I have seven daughters. My okay. youngest, my youngest. You got a boy. lot of dating to do, dude. Dude, it, it, but it okay. So our youngest boy, he's like 17 months, but then we got seven daughters above that. Okay. And it's tough to do it every month, but people that are listening, just think about what Jack's saying and, and check this out. Once a month, take your kids somewhere just one on one. And if you're kind of like struggling on the on the budget, I'm not saying take them to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. I'm saying you're going to Kroger to go grocery shopping. Hey, sweetheart, do you want to go with me? That's right. Put him in the vehicle and have a conversation. Don't pull your phone out. Don't do any of that. And as you're walking down the aisles, just joke around about stuff. And they're going to remember that this was one on one time. And you yep. can even say these words. You know, I used to go on dates like this with your mom. Whoa, that would blow their minds. Yeah. And you, you, you give an example, a role model. I love how you said that, Jack. We're not role modeling. We're not modeling this enough. Well, and so the other thing that would do, like, taking them for a walk, taking them on a shopping trip, whatever. So when they meet that young guy who's killing himself, right, and, and trying to build a career and saving money so after he finds a wife and gets married, they can buy a house instead of rent for the rest of their life. He's being frugal with his money. He has a budget. And his first date with this girl who he just met and doesn't know where this is going to go is a walk in the park or something. He's not a cheap, a cheap ass who didn't, you know – uh, take her out to this expensive dinner or anything. Cause you, no matter what you have in a dating relationship, a long-term relationship, you're not going to do that every day unless you find right. a guy that's worth a billion dollars. And you're probably still not cause he's going to be on an airplane in Shanghai. Right. right. So like yeah. setting the expectation that like the time and the thing you're doing is special independent of the cost. That's what that's doing as well. Because the time is what was important when she went to the grocery store to buy lettuce with you or whatever. Oh, back to lettuce. Back, <laughs> back to lettuce, Brian. All right. roads lead to lettuce. So, they Brian, do. you Brian does a good job. His, his mom, his mom, his wife does too, of trying to take the kids out and just experience. And here's the great news of homeschooling: taking the kids to Kroger is like a field trip. Yeah, like oh my God, we're going to Kroger, Costco. They're yeah. like field trips, and you don't have to sign <laughs> parental consent. Um, yeah, and there's there's another comment in there um, by uh, Andy talking about. As a dad, I agree with this. I just got to say it, that we're modeling for our boys how to treat women. So That's kind of lost me, too, because I got a bunch of girls. We're showing our young men, look, this is the right way. It's not to sex them up. It's not to stare at them in the yoga pants. That's not it, dude. Culture says it is, but yeah. that's not it. Right. 
but it's to show them, right? It's to show them how you should treat a, a your wife, how you should treat someone, and at the same time showing the your girls that hey, this is how you should be treated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so they're not jumping into relationships that they shouldn't be in. Kind of driving to the head of young men too. Every every girl you ever meet meet is somebody's sister, somebody's daughter. Right. Right. So think about that. You know. And I'm not prudish at all or anything, but like, like respect doesn't require that. Like be respectful, you know, mm-hmm. be honest. Uh, yep. what, what we have today is, is a dead gone disaster. I appreciate what you guys are doing. Tell people again about the website, what you do, the lessons they can get, what they can subscribe to, all of that stuff. Sure. When you go to these 16 things.com, that's uh, one six. So these one six things.com, there will be probably a pop up box that comes up that you can enter your email address. If it's not there, it's at the bottom of pretty much every page and sign up for the email. There's no money. We're not asking people to pay to sign up. Nothing like that. Just sign up and magically you'll get emails Mondays and Thursdays with these lessons. And each week they're on the same topic. So the the Monday lesson would be kind of an introduction, maybe, hey, sit down, talk with your kids about this. And then Thursday, maybe a little more in-depth of, you know, exact, maybe specifics, talk about this, ask them these questions or do this thing. Or when we get to the cooking, cook this meal, maybe by next Monday, try to have your kids cook this meal. And if we're going to do that, we're going to put the instructions in there. That's one of the first lessons we did something on cooking, but um, it just... Try to do this by Monday. And again, if you skip a lesson, no big deal. Uh, we all get busy some weeks and just don't have the time to get to it. So move on to the next one. Or if you want to go back to it, go back to it. But if not, that's fine. Just move on. So I'm on. doing so, the one for this week. And on Monday, we yeah. kick one out about leading and following. But before you want to be a good leader, you should probably learn how to follow. But even before that, learn how to serve. So that's what this week's about. On Thursday, I recorded kind of an interesting video with the kids at the house. But nothing fancy. Just here's some yeah. ideas. Here's a YouTube video. Go with it. Do try it at the house. Really, really simple. Yeah. You know, ending on this, when you say to serve, like it, that's another part of why it bothers me to feel the way I do about the military right now. I, I really think that we need some sort of uh, national service option for our children. And I don't even think it, I, I, I'm opposed to it as a libertarian anarchist, but I don't necessarily think it would be terrible if there was some level of mandatory service just so people can learn what service is. Uh, I don't know how to rectify that against my my ethical objection to it, but I, I can't deny that society might not be better if we had a, a, an entire generation that knew what service was, because I damn sure know that my grandparents' generation knew what service was. Yep, mm-hmm. they had a, a a real understanding of it because that generation, almost all the men served in World War II. And a lot of people that didn't, that were too old, maybe served in like civilian conservation corps. And there was a difference in that generation. A lot of things we're talking about today, our grandparents or our great grandparents, depending on our age, would go, what? You have to teach people that? What do you mean you have to teach people that? And I think the reason wasn't that they were taught it because it was just modeled. Right. It was just modeled. And I do believe that we behave the way that things are modeled. And that is true when they're good or bad. You mentioned earlier about like, if you grew up in, in, in the South and in, in, in before the Civil War, no matter who you were, you were taught that slavery wasn't just right, but it was like moral. It was ethical. The, the Bible says you're supposed to do it. And you can 
you can stand here in the present and judge that person in the past, but you can't be them in the past. You have no idea what you would have thought if from the time you were born, the person you trusted most taught you that this was a good thing and that it was necessary for a society to function what you would have thought when you were 25 years old. You have no right. idea. I remember Jordan Peterson had this thing where he was talking about the dangers of uh, things like Nazism. And he was talking about how if you were around in the 1930s in Germany, you might have joined right in. You might have thought it was great. You might have had a lot of fun doing it. And he was really attacked from some haters that like he's yeah. advocating this. No, he was pointing out the danger of being raised in a society that has accepted a cruelty or an absurdity as truth and that the majority of people will believe it because they have not known an alternative. And so what to me we've talked about most today is providing the alternative, not just by what we teach, but what we do and how we act like the the, the whole like do as I say, not as I do thing that doesn't actually work. And it really never had, never worked on me when I was a kid. No, but we, we get in positions of power and, and we think that it does. Yeah. So on the serving thing, um, someone have you mentioned in Korea, I was stationed in Korea twice. They got the rock army, Republican Korean army. Yeah. And it's mandated. I think it's between ages of 18, 24. Yeah. But yeah, how do you reconcile? You want people to learn how to serve. So you almost want to make it mandated. Yeah. But on the other side, like, no, I'm against forcing anything. So, yeah, this week we're just talking about uh, serving. Uh, again, some people can relate to this, some not. But, man, Jesus, at one, at one point, he got down on his knees in the dusty room with the towel wrapped around his waist. And he cleaned the feet, the mud, the dirt, the feces, all of those things that were on those people's feet. Serving. We, until we can learn how to serve others, it's, it's hard to build relationships with others because it's selfish. And yeah. so even if someone's not from a Christian worldview, you don't need to be for this one. When we learn how to serve others, we're not as selfish. And I think that's a measure of success for our kids. That's a piece of it. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think Italy has some sort of mandatory service, but like there's options. That's right. You can go in the military. You can go do like some level of like kind of like uh, it's almost like Peace Corps level medical stuff, but you're doing it domestically. Sometimes you're doing it overseas. Like they have so, you know, like a lot of choice in the matter, but there's some level of service to the to, to the to the higher level. And again, I can't I can't actually advocate for that. But what I would like to see is more options for people that want to, and then an encouragement by society to do so. Yeah, and maybe even some reward for doing so. Like I have to say that when I got out of the military, even though I didn't want to be a mechanic anymore, it did matter when I put army on my resume. Right. That did matter. And even long after I had proven myself in a totally different place in the, in the realm of sales, if I was up against another candidate for a position and we were very close and it could go either way, United States Army Airborne. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with this guy. And so I, I would like to see more initiatives out there to create service options uh, that come along with clout like that, like, you know, you got scouts and Eagle scouting, but then that whole thing has gone toilet bowl that uh, way to the left, which way is to the left. Yeah, and, yeah. and the one thing <laughs> we can control in all of these, like you mentioned Italy and Korea, there's one thing we can control and that is modeling in our own homes. Yeah. Serving others that is in our control. 
Yeah, I, I, I have a family member and they, their kids grew up in the church youth groups and all. And they would do these missions and they would go out to like West Texas. And that, that's good and all. But I was always like, isn't there some people you could help like right over there? That's a great point. That's a great like, conversation. Like maybe you should be helping people in your neighborhood or since your neighborhood's pretty good in your city or your county. And I'm not condemning what you're doing. I'm just pointing out that like driving past all these people that are neighbors that need help to go help somebody over there. That's a great right. conversation. Sometimes the, the mission trip to the Dominican Republic is yeah. not the best thing. It's your neighbor, your elderly neighbor that just needs her yard mode. At least they were still in Texas, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> right. the Dominican Republic. And I get why they yeah. do it too. Cause the kids get a sense of adventure and they go sure. out. And all. Yeah. Like, it's like, there's people all over the place that could use your help. And while you ask of the church, on Sunday, is there anybody who has something broken at their house that they just can't fix? I bet you some old lady's going to put her hand. Go to her house and fix your house. I, I yeah. heard on Twitter. I heard on Twitter it's, it's trending. Uh, hashtag Jack for Congress. So Me? That's yeah. got to be Dorsey. Uh, might be you. I don't know. <laughs> no. Nah. Nah. Nah, I don't want to be in Congress. I'm not get, I, I'll tell you why I'm not getting into Congress. Episode one, episode two, episode three, episode four. Today we're on episode 3274. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I would like to see more done with service for our youth. I, I love what you guys are doing, what you guys are teaching. Uh, everybody should get over to these 16, these16things.com. Get on over there and uh, sign up for the daily, uh, the daily lessons. And get involved and model these behaviors with your kids. I will have a link to that. Uh, they also have a YouTube channel. I'll have a link to in the audio notes. There is a link right down in the video notes if you're watching the live stream. And uh, you can use that about an hour from right now. The audio uh, the audio side will be up and you'll be able to get that. Thanks, guys, for joining us today. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. This has been awesome. Yeah, thanks, brother. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? You should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. 